let me let me preface these remarks with I never, never, ever believe Israeli figures. I've been in the government too long to know that the Israelis are patent liars in their intelligence community, in their propaganda community, certainly, and in their leadership. They are inveterate liars. Let me say that again. They are liars. So you can't believe anything. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, February 26, 2024. Thank you for joining me today. A very somber day, a very sad moment in the process and the ongoing genocide and the stories developing around it. Somebody decided, as I'm sure you all have seen, to protest the ongoing genocide in Gaza, but not just the fact that it's happening, but really chose to, you know, and again, we'll get into, not that I, to sp- say that I anybody can speak to his intent and truly why and what he was thinking and feeling, but Aaron Bushnell, as I'm sure you have seen, chose to set himself on fire and ultimately burned himself to death in front of the Israeli embassy as a U.S. member of the military to protest what's going on, as I, as I was saying, not just that it's happening, but the helplessness that we all feel around it. And in, in he's, he spoke about this before doing this and trying to highlight what I, what I felt from it, the fact that we all see this happening. We all see that it's being done in our names, that from his perspective, literally being done by the organization, or rather, you know, this open support by the organization, the U.S. military that he is a part of, that feels that we know this is wrong. We know we can see that what we present as to the world as the American, the military and the government, what they present it to the world as, as what they're fighting for is, is the opposite of what we're seeing happen here. And it's this moment of absolute desperation of just feeling lost. It's the, it's the kind of cognitive dissonance type feeling you that a lot of us and really all of us have experienced when you come to head, if you come to confrontation with something that you've always believed and either realizing that it's not the full picture or that it's literally the opposite of what you've always held dearly, truly like foundationally, what you believe you are as a person is built on these concepts. And suddenly you realize that it's not even true. A lot of people break when stuff like that happens. A lot of people choose to rise up and and grow and and so on. In this case, this person decided to take an action. And again, this is where you get into the intent behind it. And we'll go through this today. That some may see as deciding to take an action that is so extreme, that is so courageous in a lot of ways, just whether or not you think that it's crazy or whatever. I mean, think about what it would take to do something like that in order to try to change the rea- the status quo, to shake people out of their comfort, Walmart, McDonald's, TV, nightly HBO discussions where, you know, there's bad things happening over there. Let's go back to our comfort zone, you know, and shake people out of that to realize this is here, it's now, it's happening, it's in front of you, and we can do something about it. And some people may see this as mental illness. This is simply a person that is struggling and and decided, you know, got taken by malicious people online you know there's a lot of different agendas that's always one way to look at this too is that government or or just 
opportunist special special interest will jump on this like like piranhas i guess wrong analogy but just you know immediately on something like this they try to use it for their agenda always up to, under the, the guise of altruism you know we care and we want to you know whether it's about mental illness or whether it's about you know fighting against the radical palestinian ideology or whether it's about re- exposing the anti-semitism of the united states or you know, everyone's jumping on this to try to make their argument which is just despicable instead of just listening to what he had to say is it not just possible that he did this of his own accord because he recognized that nothing was going to change and he just couldn't live with that? It's one of the possibilities. So we'll go over that. We'll talk about it. We'll discuss why I think and you know this happened and, and the impacts it's having and how the world is discussing it, as well as the overlap with a couple of other conversations that are hard to, to they're upsetting. Seeing foundational aspects of the Israeli government, Mossad and others, openly attack this person literally calling this person their enemy now you'll have a hard time making sense of that with the narrative spinning around anyway you know that that the our greatest ally israel that how our government frames anyway in the united states and then having their intelligence apparatus go our enemies pointing to this kid who burned himself alive in front of the israeli embassy take care of themselves is what they tweeted so at what point did that person become your enemy when he became a military member in the U.S. in the United States? I don't see how that makes sense. When, you know, how, how is this person your enemy when they decided to, to stand up and protest about your ongoing genocide? Okay, so you realize, and this is the point that I've been continuing to show, is that no matter what, nothing is sacred. No matter, al- chief allies, pe- you know, whether you have deals with these people, and I'm talking about the Israeli government and their actions in regard to people that are seen, even the United States or it, anybody who barely steps out of line, and I'll show you examples today, they get eaten alive. And and these are people that are still like almost taking so much negative and hate because they're siding with Israel. And then they're getting attacked by Israel too because they don't walk that line just perfect. I mean, again, it's the kind of sentiment like who needs enemies when you have friends like Israel. Think about what that would, that person's in that position where you're being, you know, why would you keep supporting that? There must be something happening there. There's no interest there. I mean, there's a whole other conversation. But I think it's very interesting to see that that is what they would come out with at that time in the moment when it's obviously going to be wildly sensitive and say that I mean, that, that our enemies are killing themselves. I mean, I just think you need to recognize what that really was and then why they deleted that. So we'll go through all this, connect as much as we can for you guys. The one thing I will ask in general is that it's important as, you know, I mean, you're going to get people even in the chat who are just going to be angry, contentious, vitriolic, you know, just be insensitive. I say you're right, it's free speech, right? But the point is, we should do our best to try to engage with this in an, an adult, mature way and not try to contort this person's life into what makes sense for our worldview and just have some compassion for this person, whether or not he was confused, whether or not it was manipulated, whether or not we're being lied to. Like, just have a moment of human compassion and just say, that's upsetting that this person felt he had no other choice in a world we're supposed to be told is about freedom and democracy and nothing but choice but to do something that extreme to save people's lives. And as I was talking just then, a few more children died. That's what he was trying to stop, at least as I see it. So I'm going to start off with just a quick random point that I want to include. I, th- I might have made this said this before. I, I, I've been noticing this in the Rumble chat even. I just want to make sure you guys see in a larger point too, <laughs> 
as we grow, as I know of anybody else that does this, especially those that are bigger than me, that you're going to get people that are just wild impersonators, manipulators. And I quite frankly don't think that's just some troll having fun. I usually think it's about some coordinated le- effort, which is not, it's, it's multifaceted. I think we all know that people in this field get tracked, manipulated, you know, whether it's the government or whatever else. Nobody should be even batting an eye at that today. That's happening with everybody, by the way, but especially those that are pushing back on narratives. I think this is common knowledge. My point would be the stuff like there's different levels of just kind of like muddying the waters, trying to manipulate, slow down, stifle, suppress, you know, that kind of stuff. Throttle. I would argue there's a level of that that's about trying to manipulate people that are growing and saying things they don't like. And I'm not saying that's what this this is. I'm just saying we can acknowledge that is a part of what goes on. A lot of people know this. A lot of people, content creators will speak up about it. Well, they are being, you know, I mean, look, you talk about Talk about somebody like Vandy, can't talk, Brandy Vaughn, you know, who was, you know, suspiciously died and people think she was killed. And the point is that she was screaming about how she was being followed. People broke into her house and all this different stuff. My point is not to say that we can, that that is a level that a government goes to in order to suppress things that are dangerous for them. That's a long point from this little thing on Rumble here. But my point, nonetheless, was simply to highlight that I want you guys to recognize this is a tiny example of something that I see building in our world but just recognizes happening everywhere where people are acting like T-Lab, you know, creating fake telegram channels, calling people in our community and saying, Hey, you know, you want like rather like texting and stuff like that to say, Hey, I got this new crypto deal. You want that with my image and my number, you know, it's getting more and more surreptitious. It's only going to get worse. Just want to make sure you guys are aware of that. This person is acting like T-Lab on rumble and with the one at the end of the name. And really that doesn't show up on the chat. And so they're acting like me in the chat. That's the ultimate point. I've seen it. I've seen it. And just the point is they're trying to do this in order to like, it's not like they're going in the chat and being like, I guess the long winded point is that they're doing things in a very subtle way, which does not seem like a troll. Does it, you know, acting like me and then slight differences, you know, anyway, just be very on guard today, guys, as we always should have been. There's a lot of effort out there to undermine a very rapidly growing movement of people that are becoming aware of, you know, in a general sense, that we shouldn't just be trusting people. We shouldn't just be blindly leaning in, in, in a government, you know, societal concept. Because people in power lie. I mean, it's pretty common, right? One other point I wanted you to see before we jump into the larger point is a follow-up on this story that we just talked about, which I could... Oh, I forgot I was going to grab you the link to my my last show. I'll have to include that. The very last one I just did in regard to the, the Red Cross overlap. I swear I grabbed that. I guess not. Anyway, the point was we just talked about the Red Cross again for like the 14th time. And that was about this. The reality that all the way back in 2022, they posted that they, you know, that bottom line that stays in your shoulder muscle, the vaccine does not go anywhere else. And that's why we don't differentiate blood versus vax and unvax, which is crazy. Seeing as how as I posted below, there's been like at least, I think five that I know of that I trust are solid that have shown you a hundred percent that it doesn't stay in your shoulder muscle. And that goes all the way back to their original documentation that shows lipid nanoparticles all over your body, which inside of that has instructions, MRNA to make spike protein. And it's ridiculous to think that it ever, and that was within 24 hours, mind you, all over your body, multiple uh, autopsies, finding MRNA instructions. I mean, you can see the peer reviewed study right here, 28 days afterward. Anyway, the point was I followed up on this yet again to say, all of a sudden, we've got partisan media. I think it was DC Drano in there going like, basically misrepresenting the story, which it seems he's now corrected it back to where it's really going on, but acting like they were now saying it was not allowed again because it was somehow like weren't 
that wasn't this the one that was safe? The point was they still weren't. It was still this weird game they were playing where they were allowing it and it was still mixed in and they were, uh, Shelby from Unjected called and proved that what he was saying was inaccurate and basically said, they said, as long as you don't have the sniffles or any symptoms, you can come in right now. Like literally right after getting it or however point in time. And the point to make is that it's dangerous. We know this proven by peer reviewed science and even their admission. And here's Rolling Stone comes out on the 22nd, right after all of that. And I mean, do you think that they can't see the posted peer-reviewed studies that literally say that that's not true? But they followed up saying in 2021, the Red Cross issued guidelines that allow those who haven't received the COVID vaccine to donate blood so long as they're not actively experiencing symptoms of the vaccination. Right-wing influencers are losing their minds. Well, that's not even actually what's happening. Of course, this is where you get the partisan manipulation, the half part of the story, which then they misrepresent on top of that. That's how this works. The truth is the story's never changed. It's been right there since we've been talking about it. And people probably even before me, all the way back in 2022. But I just think it's hilarious. This is a new article, the latest COVID conspiracy. Tar- this, ne- this story has never changed. And yet still, because of partisan media nonsense, because of crap like the Rolling Stone, comes out and muddies the whole conversation. And yet it's still exactly where we left it. It's dangerous. They know that. We know that. Nothing happens. You see how the two-party illusion works? I hope we're recognizing, I know you guys know this. I hope most people who don't know that can finally come to terms with the fact that whether they're doing it intentionally or not, it guarantees that things, one, don't change, and that ultimately you aren't even, you're unsure about where the reality is because you've got people screaming falsehoods on both sides, and it's almost always somewhere in the middle. One part about Twitter, before we get into the main part about this, I thought this was pretty hilarious. If you ask me, Alex Jones puts this new, uh, I guess that, you know, the whole full show out and it says investigation confirms, which I wasn't actually able to see the investigation. I heard statements, but regardless, you know, there's never any source material with this stuff, but it says confirms Elon Musk's ex is censoring info wars in many ways. I just I'm like, is this a joke? Is this, I, I had to laugh, but it says, but Alex Jones asked the question, is Elon Musk behind this or, or is it leftist stay behinds in the organization? <laughs> I said, oh my God, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I tell you, I said, what do you think the odds are guys taking bets that they're going to go with the latter option of leftist stay behinds just as I and many others who are nonpartisan have been repeatedly telling you that they would, it's going to be the scapegoat is for you can go wait till it's 40 years later. They're going to go. I bet you it was one of those FBI agents that never actually got fired. Now, did we prove that? Are we ever going to prove that? Or is it going to be the, last grasping hold of the people who want to believe Elon is saving speech to say, oh, it must have been those Twitter people that were there from before. Well, okay, even if you think that's the truth, which I find that really hard to believe, it's certainly possible. Wouldn't that still be his fault? I mean, at the end of the day, but overall, the point is it's censorship, guys. Are we really going to get into the minutia of it, debate what you're, okay, fine, whatever. Twitter is still censoring people. We were saying that. 30 seconds ago, and you were saying we were crazy. Now you're going to go, yeah, it is true, but it's the leftist. Okay, whatever. So we were right, is the point. Twitter is censoring people, and we've always known that. And this is how, again, the partisan media will continue to muddy the waters. If you just listened without the partisan talking over everything, we would have already seen this. Don't miss your... Anyway, so I think that's important. Oh, this is just the same link. Then lastly, Kim Iverson points this out as we get into the Israel conversation to this is essentially the last part of it. This is one thing we're going to talk about today. I'm going to rehash quickly the point about Zionism that I think is important to relate to this. So in case you missed that really contentious big show I just did. And then the point about Aaron and how this all connects and then finishing with a point that overlaps with why that is happening, I guess. And the part about 
the reality of ultimately the act that happened on October 7th. So this is what Kim said yesterday. So Elon Musk banned a bunch of leftist pro-Palestine accounts, which by the way, completely happened, but saving free speech, you know, after Elon took a pilgrimage to Israel, they clearly scarred the left, the living daylights out of him by threatening his ad revenue. What's funny is you all, you almost expect her to say after showing him what happened on October 7th. Nope, nope. Simply after threatening the fact that you're going to lose money. Oh, okay. Well now we're going to pull back. POTUS won't call for a ceasefire, even though his base is turning on him. Anti-war candidates like RFK Jr. and Tulsi Gabbard are suspiciously pro-Israel after their histories show them taking opposite stances. It's getting increasingly obvious that the Israeli lobby is strong and powerful and in complete control. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's an actual conspiracy. A conspiracy against a free nation, free Palestine, free America. Now, I hope, and I'm just, I'm so glad to see you're saying stuff like this because look, these are the kinds of talking points that are just, I mean, almost laughingly, like it's some kind of a game reflexively dismissed as conspiracy theory by people in the, you know, gateway, the, uh, the you know, was it not gateway, but uh, uh, gatekeeping media. And I, it's obvious because this is not, I just laughed about this with, uh, I forget, uh, just on somebody's show this morning. The point being, when, remember when they called out the lobby? I, I forget if it was AOC or somebody. A politician basically called out APAC and said that they're influencing U.S. policy. And they lost their minds. They freaked out. They said, you're a racist. You're anti-Semite. And my point was, well, that's what lobbyists do. You literally said a lobbying group is lobbying Washington. And because it was about Israel, you freaked out and called it racist and basically exposed the game. That's how crazy this is. They're so on guard, Zionists, to the reality that they are doing that, that they like, attack, as my point from before, literally anybody, including their allies. And we'll get into the point about, you know, the disdain for the American people in general. But I'm glad she's pointing this out because it's true and it's easily provable. It doesn't have, it's not, see, this is the game. It's not... The point, the only reason this becomes racist or contentious or bigoted in somebody's mind, it's not, is because that person would conflate what she's saying with only being about Jewish people. I don't see that claim anywhere in there. I see that she's addressing the Israeli government and the fact that these people are being influenced by the Israeli government or just Israeli lobbying. Where is that racist? You see my point? It's only when they go wink, wink, she secretly hates Jews. I don't know why that's ever held sway over people. You, you are, first of all, are, are assuming blindly into what she actually believes, but it, it just shows you the kind of influence that she's discussing, but not on politicians, but on people, which is how that bled into the society. Using these using groups like the ADL, which we'll make a point about in a second again. But I think this is important. And I think it's important that this becomes more of a prominent. And if somebody like Kim Iverson is making this statement, it's going to influence other people who wouldn't normally listen to a show like mine. So thank God. Because it's the truth, and we need to own that and really do something about it. Unfortunately, I was on that show I was on this morning. I was making a point about dual citizenship and trying to frame it the way that, you know, the appropriate way, which is simply that it's real. It's an obvious problem, but it's not about Jews. It's about Israeli government influence, which overlaps with that because they're the ones that made the Zionist state about Judaism when it's a manipulation. I'll show you something about that again. Either way, the point is that it's so important to have the full picture and not just a part of it, but I will be going back on that show. Anyway, Robert had a great article today. Israel presents plan for annexation and complete annihilation of Palestinian sovereignty. That's a really important article that gets into this new plan. That's a complete illusion. And it's what I've been telling you the entire time. Now, starting with the idea of 
the kind of influence they have and realizing why it's so easy to create. I mean, why, why we ended up in a situation where it's how it's, I mean, just think about how wild it is that we all seem to think the same thing. And I've never really seen that with any topic, not even COVID-19 it's wildly slanted in one direction. And yet only these leadership politicians or rather people in power, the rulers just don't care. And yet they kind of water down their answers and kind of act like they're going to do something or they speak a little bit negative about Israel, but they just keep arming them, keep funding them, keep gaslighting, and it keeps on going. That's what leads to people taking those kind of extreme actions to get your attention. So what the problem is, is that we can see this deliberate dishonesty from the leadership, rather, again, the, the rulership, where Netanyahu is presenting a plan that is guaranteed to fail. Well, I mean, again, unless Hamas decides to take it, which I will find really hard to believe because it's temporary. There's just no benefit to them, and that's the whole point. Now, it's it's not about that we're striving for a benefit for Hamas. It's just realizing that in any agreement or deal, both sides need to see some kind of benefit or they're simply not going to take it. Right? So you don't think every time it... Israel refuses the deal. They say it's because Hamas are terrorists. But every time Hamas refuses the deal, they say it's because they want it to continue. Well, they're the ones continuing to offer deals that you refuse and you offer something watered down and then they refuse and it gets framed as Hamas refuses the deal. It's a game that keeps getting played. Even corporate media has, has proven, which it's not hard to prove because it's open in these mediation discussions at some level, that Hamas from the first week has been offering repeatedly, nonstop, an entire exchange for an entire ceasefire with aid coming in. And I'm talking all the people they have in Gaza and an exchange, which I think it changes based on the day-to-day discussions, but at least most of the people that they have held in Israeli prisons, but if not all of them, that's way more than their people are held in Gaza. We're talking 10,000 plus. And that's been proven by UN and plenty of others. So this plan that he's presenting for the, first of all, the ceasefire, which comes along with all of this, is just insulting and it's guaranteed to fail. But this is the plan that they're talking about in regard to the next step after Rafa, which you realize both those conversations are one and the same because Netanyahu is, or they're not, but Netanyahu is trying to conflate these two things, acting like we have to do this no matter what, and we will achieve some kind of a ceasefire as long as Hamas will let us. And Biden and Blinken are the ones saying, unless they've got some plan, that they won't let this go forward. So he puts forward this kind of insult, acting like this is going to solve everything. And ultimately, as I said before, as we already covered some of it, it it amounts to complete annexation, occupation, and it's just a slap in the face. One of his main points in this, and and I just go over, it goes over the reality that this has always been what they're shooting for, but it's a slap in the face to the U.S. administration, which shows you that they're willing to just be insulted and not respond and yet still completely hold water for Israel. What do they have on him? That doesn't make sense to me. He's losing everything for this effort. It's very strange unless you think there's something going on there. But they keep standing up and saying, two-state solution, we're working for this, and they're laughing about it. They're saying, no way, no how, not going to happen. So here's what Barack Ravid said about this back and forth. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told Face the Nation that the hostage deal between Israel and Hamas will delay an IDF operation in Rafah, but stressed that that will, that will have to happen either way. Now, that's crazy to me. Because this is what we have to understand. This is only going to be about the actual continuation of the ethnic cleansing, the continuation of the illegal settlements, and, and, and the continuation of the indiscriminate bombing. Unless Hamas accepts a temporary deal, which then only postpones the indiscriminate bombing. You see how this works? Because all that's going to happen if they t- accept Israel's version of the deal is a temporary pause, however long that is, 
Israel will let out people. They'll arrest just as many, which is literally what happened last time. We proved to you the next day they had already arrested more people than they had let out. That was an open discussion. It was publicly discussed. So Hamas would then let go of the hostages, which is their only leverage. Israel will let some of the people out, having plenty more and arresting plenty more, still have complete control over the area, and let in a fraction of aid, which we'll talk about at the end, which is an insult. And then it would go right back to what's happening now. Ask yourself why anybody, Hamas or anybody, would agree to that. That's not going to give them anything other than a moment. So it's pretty obvious why, because they're they're going to what they're what they're doing now is what they're going to do after that anyway. So at best, you might get some time to get to prepare, but that's not the point. Is that's obviously not what they're trying to do. So this is just like every other one in the past, another deal seasoned with poison pills by Netanyahu, as he talked about in the past in regard to the Oslo Accords, guaranteeing it's not going to happen other than the way he wants it to. Now, Net- and the worst part, while pretending to the world that he's fighting for these people, while bombing where they might be and continuing to block aid that might go to them and dragging your feet on the deal that might bring them home, the hostages. Netanyahu told Face the Nation that he wants to get a hostage deal and appreciates U.S. efforts to try and reach it. He stressed that if Hamas drops its delusional demands and presents reasonable positions, it'll be possible. So if you... That's some really on a small tweet. But Netanyahu, like as of last week, very clearly laid it out. He will not allow a permanent ceasefire. He will not pull people out of Gaza, no matter what, which means they're always planning to occupy this continually. It was after October, or excuse me, after 2005, just because they weren't boots on the ground. They had control of the area by international standard. It, Gaza has never not been occupied by Israel after 19, whatever the exact date was. But really, again, the point goes back to 75 years ago, they occupied all of Palestine. But the point, uh, where was it that, Basically, the, the the deal being the only thing is real. Well, the old things they don't want is any ceasefire that's going to last permanently, any removal of troops, and so that means that they're that the only thing they're asking for in reality is Hamas to stop, which I just think is insulting to everyone's intelligence. Like this is the same when you stand up and you go, "Look, we want you to stop doing this," and they don't do it. Okay, well that didn't work. Right. So now move forward. But the point is they know that, but they want to get you fixated in this weird. This is like the two state solution hamster wheel they've been doing for 40 years where they know they're not going to do it. They know they've made sure they know they funded Hamas for the purpose of making sure they're divided so they won't reach two state solution, which they pretend they want. But yet they outwardly go, yeah, we want it. It's only bad guy Palestine. They won't let it happen. And it cycles and cycles and cycles. It's the same thing they're doing right now. Hamas is offering the only thing that everyone in the world knows is actually going to stop the killing, whether or not you think it benefits Hamas. And the only thing that's happening is Israel continues to not let it happen. Now, yes, you could argue alternatively that Hamas could essentially accept the deal that they're offering, right? But the only thing that will change is the hostages from from Gaza will go home and the killing will continue. Because, I mean, he literally says that right here. It will go on in Rafah. So what that really shows, if that makes sense to you, is that you only care about people that coming home to Israel. That's it. You don't care about the children dying every 10 seconds in Gaza. You don't care about the people starving to death. You don't care about the pregnant women giving birth in the dirt. All you care about is the Israelis that are being held. What does that tell you about yourself? You probably can't recognize it. But it says Netanyahu said the IDF will present to him later today for its plans in the operation in Rafah and for the evacuation of Palestinians they claim to the north of Rafah. So think about how dumb it is when you move them multiple times from Khan Yunus to Rafa, and now you're saying, but Rafa, is the way, that's their main holdout. So how did that possibly happen in your controlled safe area? Did you think about that? Or, or did they not recognize that that was the actual stronghold until they 
kettled everybody into it. Do you realize they just said about Khan Yunus? Khan Yunus is the next stronghold we have to get. Well, you put them there. You said it was safe. Or the areas behind them that they say we can secure the North, except you keep showing all sorts of things happening back there. So it's a lie. Guys, we're being lied to. That shouldn't be too shocking to accept right now with how many lies they've pushed forward. But if you're pushing them back into the North, just thinking on a, like a like humanity level, like think about what they've already been through. Everything they have is destroyed. Their families have been shot in front of them, being bombed and killed and, you know, raped and tortured, manipulated as well the entire time, which we've proven. But also being set up a little home with your family and then getting that bomb destroyed, then they can now go back the other way. With, with, by the way, no food, no water. This is a death march, guys. This is literally the closest thing you can overlap with what we saw in regard to what they did to people in, in Nazi Germany. Like in the sense of the movie, the, the mass uh, forced migration. That's the only point I'm making right there is that you can see these massive death marches that that's one of the things everybody remembers. Well, we're literally watching that right now. And that's largely why you don't want it. They don't want pictures and, and documentation of all of this. But assuming it goes back to North, I'm arguing they still want to try to maneuver this into somewhere other than Gaza. Netanyahu stressed an operation Rafa is needed because it's Hamas's last stronghold. This is, it's just, it's everybody. Everybody, even the politicians supporting this, know that's ridiculous, knows that you can still see engagement happening in the North, knows that you can see and prove that there's all sorts of UN presence and Doctors Without Borders and all journalists all in the area in Rafa, and there's no indication that Hamas is there. They just keep saying this because they're going after Palestine. Now it says, weeks away from defeating Hamas and ending its operational goal. Okay, let me, let me ask you this. If as they're suggesting that that's the last stronghold, they move everybody back to the north and they annihilate Rafa. Is that somehow going to be over? You know that. Well, mark my words. It will not. When they inevitably destroy these people, it will not be over because they're then going to say, oh, now it's this place, the place they all just went to. That's now where Hamas went. Do you not see how that's happened every time? Oh, it's Khan Yunus. Oh, now they went to Rafa. Now we're going to get Rafa. Now we're going to move them all back here, blow up Rafa. Oh, now they went back there. That's the new Hamas stronghold. Why would that not make sense? What what exactly changes? Nobody's demonstrated they've killed Hamas members this whole time. It's all been civilian infrastructure, civilians. So when they destroy Rafah and you still have all these Palestinians who they otherwise tell you are all supporting of Hamas, what changes? Why are they going to stop when that happens? What do they achieve? Where's the evidence of any success in their efforts against Hamas? You know I'm right. And watch when it happens and it's going to make me sick. Netanyahu said there is no disagreement between him and Biden about need to evacuate civilians from Rafah, which is a crime. It's been a crime every time they've mass displaced these people. Dropping some leaflets about how you're going to murder people in five hours does not change the fact that what you're doing is illegal. He stressed Israel is also coordinating its Rafah plans with Egypt and said there's no plans to try and push them into Sinai, which is a lie. I mean, even WikiLeaks verified the document, the plan that they put out exactly saying that. Or you can go back to the public plan that Smotrich put out in 2017. It's public. That's how dumb they think you are. They're wrong. But it says White House National Security Advisor Sullivan told Meet the Press that White House hadn't seen any Israeli plan for an operation in Rafah. So they're lying about that too, at least suggesting that they have it, but they haven't shown anybody. Or I guess the plan is we're going to do this, publicly stating it on Twitter, I guess, is enough. But it says we don't believe an operation in Rafah should go forward unless there's a clear plan. Well, that's a ridiculous thing to say. All you're doing is giving them a reason, an out. And and don't and don't forget Netanyahu I just talked about he wrote up a plan a three a a a limited or a short term medium term long term plan for the future of Palestinian life on the planet and it was all in one page 
Think about how gross and disgusting that is, how insensitive that is. The future of their entire civilization on one page, and three versions of it, by the way, one page. I bet you it's three paragraphs. I mean, in fact, I can prove that it was about that. We read that we read what it was discussing. So that's the plan, apparently. And the plan is stating what you're stating now. That's not a plan. That is, we're going to move them there and bomb right there. That's not a plan. But they told CNN that U.S. and Egypt and Qatar and Israel have reached an understanding about an outline for a deal. As I understand it, it was something about 400 hostages from Israel's side. But again, it's only temporary, and it's not even all of them, which is, it's just, I don't, I don't see why Hamas would take this, but maybe they will. This is the first confirmation by the administration that this has happened. But Sullivan stressed Egypt and Qatar are, are talking to Hamas and getting it to agree on the outline, which they've already said they wouldn't. But again, who knows what will change. He added that the hope, he hopes a deal could be reached in coming days. By the way, I should state that if they do agree to this, it'll make me wonder whether Hamas is in fact, wondering whether it's still influenced by Israel to some degree. This agreement, again, it only really helps Israeli hostages, which we should be hoping that they get to go home because they're just people, right? But at the end of the day, it's clear that if it's only a pause, anyone they let out can just be arrested again, can be shot the very next day. Hamas knows this. And also, by the way, if we're talking about members of the military that were taken like that, that there's an official back and forth right there, not just releasing hostages. Those are prisoners and you should be exchanging those four prisoners. I mean, that's the whole point. And all the illegally detained administrative detention children that Israel's been holding for years. It's funny how we don't talk about that as they scream about the fact that they, that they have children in Gaza. And they keep lying about the numbers, by the way. They've lied about, I mean, we'll show, we'll wait for that toward the end. He made it clear Israeli government was that everyone needs to make every possible effort to reach such a deal. I mean, think that's just so stupid they would even say that. Every possible effort? Well, are you talking only to Gaza? Israel keeps just flatly refusing deals that everyone in the world suggests they should take, including the United States. And all the, you know, it's, it's, these kind of statements are, are, are insulting. You know, saying, acting like you're fighting for a two-state solution when they're publicly anywhere else telling you it's never going to happen. You guys know that too. So you're just dishonest people. Netanyahu hasn't presented his plan. Ryan Grimm commenting on that says Netanyahu promising to resume the war after the potential, not even for sure, but potential 60 day pause has the effect of happily for Netanyahu maximizing political damage for Biden. I just don't know. I mean, unless they've got something on him, which seems likely, why would he keep doing this? It really doesn't make sense. He is literally shooting himself in the foot in both feet. Incredible that Biden is fighting so hard for his own political adversary. Zachary Foster, who, by the way, I, I'm going to be interviewing in a couple of days, writes, try to imagine if Palestine, Palestinians issued the following statement. This is, this is the plan that's been submitted. Here is the plan for Israel, and obviously in reverse. So this is the plan that Netanyahu put forward in regard to the plan for Gaza, right? So what he's saying is, imagine if this was a Palestinian that spoke up today and said, here's my plan. Here's the plan for Israel after the war. The state of Israel must be demilitarized and de-radicalized. Anyone associated, of course, right there, racist, anti-Semites, that's, that's what that would be, and you know it. Anyone associated with war crimes or terror, i.e. the entire war cabinet and most lawmakers in the Knesset, need to be arrested and tried for war crimes. In their place, a government of professionals with managerial experience need to take their place. Everything he's quoting, by the way, is exactly taken from what they were saying. Palestinians need will maintain freedom of military operation in Israel to guarantee Palestinians are secure and not subject to genocide, apartheid, or occupation. The Palestinian goal will continue to be securing the release of the 3,484 Palestinians or more euphemistically known as administrative detainees who have not been told where they were taken. Now, that's just the ones they can prove are not being charged. There's well over 10,000 people arrested in these prisons. 
have not been charged with anything and are sitting in prison indefinitely. 3,494. Think about that. That's more than we're ever talked about in the context of October 7th. The Palestinian goal. Oh, and if you want to try to get into the numbers of how many they've killed since the occupation, you, you have fun with that. Diametric. I mean, it's unreal. Just let's just go to the tens of thousands from the very beginning. How many, how about just the amount of children that had died in the West Bank in 2023, just before this started? October 6th, they wrote about it being the most deadly year ever for Palestinian children in the West Bank the day before that started. So don't give me the idea that this all started October 7th. But it says the Palestinian goal will be to prevent any threat to Palestinians in Gaza, the West Bank, and Israel. He says that is the statement that was just issued by Israel to Palestinians. You know damn well what would happen. They'd be called racist. They would say, this is evidence that they're going to kill us all. It's all, it's just a, a big, one big, massive double standard. Now, before we get into the parts of today for the... Yeah, see, it, it, it looks like Instagram is yet again censoring us, guys. Not that that matters. Instagram, I don't really care about, but just want you guys to see that this, yep, zeroed out. <laughs> that That's both last two shows we've done. It just stops working right in the middle. Telling you guys, I, I get a sense that this is going to get worse. Like like on Twitter for me, and every, I, I see it coming <clears throat> for shows just like this, by the way. Now, we just talked about this, and I knew at the time when I said this is going to be a very contentious show. It is going to ruffle feathers and people are going to, without even watching and discussions, are going to reflexively act like somehow I've lost this or I've, I've got taken by other conspiracy theory. You know, the point is, you know me, I will not discuss something like this unless I know that there's verifiable information behind it. And the reality is, and you know, don't even look at just the image. The point is exactly what this says, was comparing Zionism to Nazism and the history around it. And they're very clear, undeniable, proven historical connections. And I mean, like overlapped working with the Lehigh Ergun parties working and aligning themselves with Nazi Germany. Very clear, undeniable on the record. And just if you haven't heard that, don't know that you need to ask yourself how that makes sense with the narratives we're told today. How they can say that the what Hitler did with, to the Jews was the foundational reason why Israel was created. The Holocaust. But when you realize, as as Aaron says, I'm mentioning it. Dan Cohen's the first person that pointed this out, but I was, that I was uh, reported on anyway. When you realize that it, this is Haaretz, by the way, which Haaretz is doing a lot of work pointing this stuff out. Zionist militia's efforts to recruit Nazis in the fight against the British. I have the, I have one that's in the the uh, older version with the original title. Actually, I think this. Yeah, this is the same one. Yeah, no, no, this is different. June first. June 21st. Now, maybe it was just updated. In any case, I'll include both. But the point is that this is Haaretz covering this reality, and it discusses it in plain language. The Lehigh continued. Lehigh, it's one of the core foundational aspects of Zionism. That's what became the Zionist organization. Seeked to ally, or really is then, and this is one of the militant aspects of it at the time, Ergun, you know, these groups were terrorist organizations. And again, like I've said many times, per their own statements, but the Lehi continued to ally with Germany even after the final solution had begun. So my point is, if that's happening, and even then, they're still trying to work with them, and as I just covered in a recent show as well, we have verified CIA documents that discuss the fact that these Zionist organizations, when they were trying to work with the Nazi party, were saying were, were, oh, the, the CIA stated that they were willing to sacrifice the Jews and Arab nations to achieve that. All these points undermine the core reality of what their identity is in regard to Zionists. 
And there's all these overlaps that show you this was the case. And I, you know, Herzl, the founder of Zionism, being an anti, being a, a, an atheist, all these interesting points that show you it was about manipulation. And I, there's pl- there's discussion about you know the reality of this being a settler colonialist kind of European movement that just utilized this concept. But I'll include all this that you can check for yourself. All this is important. Let me just put them in the notes so I don't miss it and forget. And the reason I'm including this today, one, we just talked about this, and I think it's important comparing those, but Israel's connection to extremist ideology in a general sense. We've been at this show, we've been over the connection to ISIS, the connection to the Azov movement in Ukraine, as well as the U.S. government. I mean, this is the same game. But also, as we'll point out here, ADL's history of faking Nazi marches, which I think is highly relevant to a few points we're going to make today, but just in general, the kind of stuff we're talking about. <clears throat> now here I'll include these as I said here's the, the original, it's on June 1st, same author how Israel turned Nazi war criminals into Mossad agents, now we've talked about the uh, discussion of Michael Obed who was the Nazi war criminal that was literally rescued by the United States and put up in charge of a, 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 a uh, news organization called Prologue that was in Ukraine and New York City Allowing him to propagandize Americans as a Nazi war criminal at that time in New York City. Think about that. How, how does that even make sense? It does when you realize that we've been lied to about all of this. The point, though, is that you can prove that they did, in fact, take these Nazi war criminals and turn them into agents for themselves, which undermines who they, what they really are. But my point in all of this, before I even get to that, is just to remember that the to watch this is to understand and to really be, have an open mind is it's not about Jewish people. That's the way, the only reason this becomes something that people get reflexively outraged about is because they identify the state of Israel and Zionism as Judaism. And it's just not the case. As I'll show you again in a second, uh, it's right here, I think. You know, this is one of the groups that I've referenced many times. There's plenty more than just this group, by the way. I just think that they're prominent and they're well-spoken about it, that they'll, Torah Judaism speaks up all the time. And they're saying, we, we announced the whole world. Everybody should know that we, the Jews, declare the state of Israel is not a Jewish state, but a murderer and genocidal Zionist state. Israel is not the state of the Jews. Israel is a terrorist and genocidal state. Now, you can disagree with that, but you can't pretend this is some anti-Semitic statement. This is a group of Torah Orthodox Jews who are telling you that they don't. So at the very least, they don't think that. So you can't act like they speak for all Jews in the world. And then we say otherwise that we're being racist. It's just not the truth. So that point being made. One of the things about the ADL point I think is important to consider to flavoring all this conversation right now. I just saw this random point. It was about the border. It's, t- it's totally like largely unrelated other than my concern about the border conversation. Sorry, I'm forgetting all these that I didn't bring up. Is basically this person showing a, a 60 minutes clip, which I don't know if it's necessarily very new or not. I think it is a recent one. Basically, as it says, they went to Sweden to make heartwarming special about diversity, at least how this person's framing it, very partisan, but see a different situation. That's that's the framing, right? Now the point is that the person here showing how all these you know uh, migrants are, and the, as the story goes, and as the report goes, they're being kind. Everyone's very polite. All the migrants are speaking to are very you know here to do that. You know, just normal and kind, right? Then all of a sudden, these other migrants with masks come up and start attacking them, and that's the truth. You still even see this guy who was interviewed. He's just going, "What's going on?" He's not involved. But the other people, he even tries to stop them. These other ones in masks come up and start throwing rocks and being violent. And the story becomes that, you know, anyway, it gets framed by partisan people to say, see, they tried to make a, a frame it in a positive way. And the reality of the dirty migrants came through the illegals and all these conversation, which 
certainly, I mean, look, if there's two things that obviously bother me with that. You can't just continue to frame anybody from another country as this violent person because it works for your narrative. It's just lowbrow, dumbed-down media. People getting the the news served up just the way they like it. It just bothers me, and there's far too many people like that, but I very clearly don't think it's the majority. That's what they want to be the majority. But my point wasn't even about that. My point was about the fact that I think we need to consider this, not say this is not real. Obviously, my tweet implies this is happening. It is. These are real people. There are real. But the question should be at least asking whether or not they may be not what they seem. I said, this certainly could be exactly what it looks like. But I'm finding it hard to not to notice that most of these types of clips, whether regarding Patriot Front, immigration, or Palestinian protests, always seem to include masked agitators. We should at the very least ask if they're agent provocateurs. Not to say that I'm just assuming that, but just why wouldn't we consider that? And it's weird that I keep seeing this overlap in all of these conversations. And by the way, my point is on the border and different conversations, and nobody seems to want to follow up again. We, there was a, a, a Mossad-connected agent who was recruiting for Mossad and arrested for doing that who was caught at the border, who was misrepresented as this, Azure, this guy here as this Azerbaijani terrorist. The point is, this is an old image. He's like 20 years older now. This is what it looks like today. So it's not the same person because it was the, the, the likeness of the old image. Today, he's very old, gray hair. It looks very different. So this Mossad agent was caught on the border. Very telling that the right-wing media just let that go. No one's talking about that anymore. Now, I've, I've done more research than this. I'm trying to find more follow-ups on this, but it's just interesting to see how, you know, go along to get along. The partisan media tends to be on both sides, by the way. But my question is simply to ask, could these people that are in the migration camp caravans be being sent by somebody other than China? Could it be that we're, you know, that's a other question we've fleshed out in other shows, but things like the Patriot Front. You know, we have to ask whether a lot of this, and I think very clearly we know what that is, but things like that too, overlapping with these wedge issues they want to push on you. But talking about the ADL and faking stuff like this, or any of these groups, Zionist organizations, I want to reiterate this very quickly so we don't miss this. And this is one of the many points we got into in this large show, is that simply the ADL was caught, or rather specifically it was accused by people who could, you know, who chose to connect the dots that other people put together but, of course, the corporate media never connected these two very obvious things. So this is on the Jewish Telegraphic Agency. Nowhere in here does it mention the guy's name, who he actually was, and I'll show you what I mean. His name was Mordecai Levy. He's a member, basically a member of the Zionist organization at the time, I believe, was the Jewish Defense League. Now, what they're talking about here, 1979 is a Nazi march, turns out to be a hoax. So that was the truth. That's the reality. What they're talking about is the person's name was James Gutman. And they weren't able to find him when they were questioning this, and so they pulled the permit. And what it finds, officials said Gutman had listed a P.O. box as his address, but it was in the name of Frank Collin, <clears throat> the leader of a Nazi group in Chicago, who, by the way, I actually have that too. Who obtained worldwide publicity last year when he announced to, plans to stage a march in Skokie, Illinois, which is what this is discussing. Interestingly, they look very similar. Oops. <clears throat> excuse me, right there. All these guys and their weird, you know, same images, the same clothing. Like, why is it always like that? The point is, that was not real. This article is a newer article, 2018, where it points back at Skokie, Illinois, and references the Charlottesville 2017 march. Which, if you remember, is 
Rise Above Movement, which is the literal U.S. arm of the Azov Movement, which is funded by Israel and the United States, going back to 1948, as far back as you want to look. But they have been doing this. So my point in showing you this is what here you're finding is that Gutman had a P.O. box, the name of Frank Collins, somebody different who had otherwise been seen trying to do a Nazi march in Chicago. It says he switched to the rally in Chicago. Colin was reported to have said he never heard of Gorman and that there was no Nazi party in Philadelphia. The point is, as you can see here, the name of the, of the same person was overlapped with this P.O. box that they found connected to the two. And this person was also caught for trying to fake a Nazi march in Skokie, Illinois. Now, here is the New York Times article that brings it all together. My point is, all this was out there. As you can see here, the permit was withdrawn when the man who received it, James Goodman, could not be test, could not be found. But it says the court testimony yesterday suggested the man identified as Goodman may have been using a stolen identification card when he sought the permit. A Philadelphia police sergeant said the another man identified as Mordecai Levy had once been arrested in New York using information from that card. So it's clear in this case, connected to the Philadelphia discussion, that this was a person who was basically pretending to be James Goodman, but had already, and this is the point what they're saying is the police had already caught him using the fake card, the James Goodman identification card. And it turned out that he was actually information being used by Mr. Levy, who was associated with the Jewish Defense League. That's a fact proven, discussed, and, and, and found out by the New York Times. So when you overlap it with this discussion and realize that James Gutman also used the P.O. box that was overlapped with Frank, Frank Collin, who was also trying to stage a Nazi march in Chicago, which was literally exactly, I mean, this is the reality, guys. It's very clear that you can see the pieces that were there and the media just didn't want to put it together. That this was a member of the Jewish Defense League, Mordecai Levy, who was faking Nazi marches. And that, by the, by the way, the Jewish Defense League directly ties back to the group, the ADL. We're talking about it. It was, it was basically the militant arm of that at the time. So my point is, as and this that take time to go through that. It's under it's undeniable. The Patriot Front, January sixth, the Vanilla ISIS psyop is that we have the same thing happening today. My opinion, it's exactly that. We're watching Zionist organizations seed the very thing into our country that continues to justify their support. Now, that point's important for the next part in general, but I want us to make sure we didn't miss that. But also realize that we made the point about the Sudan. Since 2020, after they normalized relations with Israel, which, by the way, all those are changing right now because of what's going on. Ever since then, remember, they told you, don't worry, we'll take you off the terrorist watch list. You don't have to change anything. You can keep doing whatever you're doing. As long as you work with Israel, we'll ignore everything bad you're doing. And that's what's happening. Doctors Without Borders, and we just talked about this last night. It's horrifying, or the night before. Over half a million people have fled Sudan's war. And I'll actually include this one, too. Actually, a really, really good article by Robert that you should read to understand the situation. But it's saying over half a million people have fled the war in Sudan into South Sudan. People are stuck in overcrowded, unsanitary conditions and are high risk to disease outbreaks. We urge organizations to boost humanitarian aid. Now, also, as they're creating this by rather just through ignorance for the most part, and they, I mean, the sense of the uh, international community that ignores this is happening and doesn't choose, just like with Gaza for the most part. What it does is it manufactures, creates a lot of migration. Half a million people, many of them leaving the Sudan because of what's going on. And they then get framed as bad people because they're coming in over, you know, whereas, uh, what's his name? You know, Weinstein calls them all Chinese looking or whatever. And all of a sudden they're all bad. The problem is 
this is being at least in some part created by belligerent foreign policy or lack of of morals or or anything all the stuff we're talking about and yet they all get used by the same people causing it now as i said tour Judaism makes a point about all this we announced to the world that we the jews declare the state of israel is not the state the jewish state but a murderer genocidal zionist state and that it has become been committing genocide against the Palestinian people for 75 years. The Jewish community in the Holy Land has struggled with Zionism and is perverted its perverted ideas since the first day Zionism emerged and continues to do so. There are thousands of Jews in the world who are against Zionism. Everyone should know this well. Jews are not Zionists. Zionism is not Judaism. Israel is not the state of the Jews. Israel is a terrorist and genocidal state. We stand with the Palestinian people and pray for the establishment of a free Palestinian state, which, by the way, does not mean the annihilation of Jews, which, by the way, does not mean the annihilation of Israelis. It simply means the legalities that the, quite frankly, the two-state solution would, in fact, meet the what everybody seem, everybody is calling for other than the Israeli government. That's the important, interesting part about it. They frame anything other than what they're doing as genocide against them, really against Jews, even though there's more than just Jewish people that live in Israel. I always point that out. They, but they only seem to care about one grouping. So who's, that's bigotry, guys. That's racism. But this is important to understand. And Robert's article to include to understand that it's undeniable that the U.S. government and Israel, for that matter, are completely involved in allowing what's happening there now. So when you realize that all the worst things happening in the world are stemming back to the same groups, you might want to pay attention. Now, Doctors Without Borders also pointed out the situation is the this situation in Gaza is the culmination of a war Israel is waging on the entire population of Gaza. Now, I think it's important. And now that I'm harping on it, and plenty of others are, how much you want to bet a, 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 a campaign gets manufactured to call them Hamas? Watch. The same thing happened with the UN was I was when I was pointing it out, saying nobody's claiming the UN is working with Hamas, and yet they're bombing UN locations. No one's even talking about it. They've killed, at the time, you know, 40 different UN members. And I was kind of flabbergasted that, nope, all of a sudden, Oh, it turns out UN is Hamas. How convenient. Same thing here. No one's arguing the doctors without borders are compromised or working with Hamas in the context of, the, of Israel's war on Gaza. So watch for it as they begin to manufacture narratives around why they can't be trusted. But it says a war of collective punishment. Easy to prove. A war without rules, clearly. A war at all costs. They also point out, quote, there is no health system to speak of left in Gaza. Israel's military has dismantled hospital after hospital. What remains is so little in the face of such carnage. Now ask yourself if their goal was to go after Hamas, why would that demand the destruction of all the hospitals? Even if you think that they're using all the hospitals, well, they were still functioning. That was proven even by your coverage. So was it necessary to blow the buildings up? Couldn't you have gone after Hamas and then as you pretend to care about the people, then maintain their support for the people? Well, clearly, and see, this is how dumb it is to even pretend. I mean, this is the whole thing. This is so, uh, this is more obvious than the COVID-19 illusion. You, you're either on the side of what the obvious, uh, the you know, the people fighting against the genocide, or you're somebody willing to lie for people being killed. I mean, there's just no denying this. They state things that you can prove are false with I mean, a kindergartner can see this. You can look up their own statements from three days ago and see they're lying. So I just am blown away continually. Like, but going back to Caitlin Johnstone's statement, that this is this has become the new litmus test. I mean, 9-11 was a litmus test for a lot of us for a long time. Right now, for me, this is a litmus test. If you are actually pretending that there's no humanitarian problem, that there's no genocide, that what everything Israel's doing is justified, you are a horrible human being. 
I'm, I just can't get past it. Now, I, I, I know I will admit that there's, it's not a good idea to ever create binary lines like that or to be absolute. And I'm really not. I mean, I, I will every with, case by case, I will engage with people's opinions. And, and even if I disagree, even if it's the same opinion, I'll engage with that person because that's who I am. And I'm trying to be objective about it. But my point is that I, I, internally, just telling you my personal feelings, I, I cannot come past that. There's no way in the world you can still pretend like this is not what it looks like. Just like they said, there's no excuse. We all knew it's all there. You're showing the world who you are with this discussion. Now, on that point about the lies around this, uh, the bombing the hospitals and the schools and everything else. Well, guys, even the Guardian just wrote this on the 22nd of February, speaking about U.S. intelligence. Like just in the, again, I would take this as a, as a threat. This is the United States government who doesn't care about genocide, doesn't care about the Palestinian lives or yours, for that matter, who's just using their plight for their own benefit, like always. And the point is that now they recognize there's a little bit of bitterness and, you know, between Biden and Netanyahu, and they're kind of pushing back on the, you know, leak and leaking out that he said bad things about Biden or about Netanyahu. And those are all happening on purpose, guys. The point here is to send a note. Yeah, you're going to, you're not going to listen. You're going to make us look dumb. Well, we're going to make, we're going to slowly put out that you're lying about that. The point is the U.S. intelligence cast out on Israeli claims of UNRWA hospital, uh, Hamas links. You realize how wild that is? As Blinken was saying, it was credible evidence like three weeks ago. And now they're going, we we're, we don't even know for sure. Well, that means you didn't know in the beginning. That means you pulled funding for the only group that was left actually saving people's lives because you didn't, because Israel said so. Well, yeah, we already knew that. And that shouldn't be shocking at all. But it shows you how despicable these people are. As Arnaud Batran writes, unbelievable. Yet the U.S. still cut underfunding, and so too did countless other countries. And asked the Western countries to do so too, which makes it all the more cynical and frankly genocidal. It also means that Blinken most likely lied. He lied when he said in January that the Israel's that their accusations about UNRWA were quote highly highly credible. So if you're still not sure if they're real, how could you possibly say highly highly credible? Well, the same way that Matt Miller can insinuate that girls are being raped, and that's why they won't let them come home, only to pull that back and say you're wrong, or to flounder in the conversation about how Hamas is holding aid and then go, oh, wait, it's because they weren't there and that's why they didn't let it through. And then the point is, we're proving all of that was false. I, I, I can't prove he knew that. I wouldn't be surprised if he would. The guy's a complete follower. But the point is, Israel's lying or they're just blindly taking what Israel says at face value. That's what they do. Always. And then it says his own intelligence agencies were writing they had low confidence, right? And, and again, here's Canada saying the same damn thing. Still haven't seen that intelligence linking their Gaza agency to Hamas. And what do they do? Nothing. It's like the rape allegations. It's like the atrocity propaganda. It's everything. They scream for a very focused moment in time. They get the people who are willing to fall to that. And sometimes in pretty high positions of power, they'll come up and speak in the House of Commons. You'll get the, you know, Lindsey Graham's of the world who will make a big flashy statement on Twitter. You'll get certain people that make these big statements, you know, put out a big video where they rehash all the same information again, acting like it's new. And then it goes away. And they, and, but, the, but the difference is they go forward asking like, well, that was proven. Don't you know? That process just proved it. They all know. They all admit. It. No, they didn't. Even your chief allies are like, hey, man, we didn't get that. We don't even have that evidence. Now, again, there's a reason. They don't do that on accident. I think they want you to see that. Nonetheless, it proves to you that we're all being led by the nose if you're choosing to follow what they say. Now, on that point, let's talk about somebody who took an, a, a wildly extreme action in order to get your attention. And I really, this is just, this is hard to talk about because this, this kid, Aaron Bushnell, 
I mean, I actually shouldn't call him a kid. I mean, just he's young. You know, just that's it's more of a term of endearment for me. But that this person decided to take his own life. Well, I mean, I, I would assume he knew that would take his life. But, I, you know, but either way, he decided to do this because he wanted your attention. Now, I'm going to play for you a reading of what he said. I'm not going to play for you the video. And I, you'll hear in this clip that Caitlin Johnstone shared, I completely agree with what he says. That it's not it's not my place to show that. If you want to find it, you should go through the effort it takes to find it to be sure you actually want to see it. Because I, I it's not something you want to see. I mean, it is it is something that will never leave your mind. And the sounds are something that I'll sleep with tonight. And I don't think you want to. But the point is, all the conversations being had, and right now, it's already being used by people that want to attack this person as, you know, why Palestinian supporters are extreme and why the, you know, the things just like that. Why, why this is what terrorism looks like, you know, crazy, mindless accusations. You know, look, he's got so history of mental illness and you know, whatever else. Everyone's making all kinds of claims when the truth is we should just take a second and listen, as I said in the beginning, to what he was actually saying in a very measured, calm, I mean, I don't even understand how he was that calm before this discussing what he felt and why he would do this. Now, let's start with this video. And this is from Caitlin Johnstone, as she writes, shortly before his final act in this world, Bushnell posted the following message on Facebook. Now, the, what you're going to hear is uh, uh, Tim fully re expressing his thoughts and then reading what's essentially a very short statement. And you'll see when he puts that out there. <clears throat> and he simply says, many of us like to ask ourselves, what would you do if I was alive during slavery? Right? Things like that. What would I do if my country was committing genocide? And we do. We talk about that, right? What would I do if I was living through Jim Crow? What would I do if I would do I would I be the person that would stand up and push back? Well, he makes a great point before he died. Guess what? It's right now. Whatever you ask, would I be that person, whoever you are now? That's the truth. That's your answer right there. Are you standing up? Are you taking action to your detriment to stand up for people who are being murdered? That's the question. You will forever remember this looking back. This is one of the examples in history where I actually agree that you will be asked by your children, what did you do? Just like the, game, the, the, the statements, the discussions they have about the Holocaust or the Nazi Germany discussion. They said, when they said, what, what did you do to stop it? Well, you'll have to live with that for the rest of your life if you know that all you really did was politically gaslight for, for Israel because it was easy. Because that's what your side said. You'll never be able to get that out of your mind, assuming you're not a sociopath. But let's listen to what he had to say, because I quite frankly do find this to be monumentally courageous. Not to say that I'm necessarily supporting it in, in the sense that I, I don't think that this is the kind of thing that should be leaned into. But just because it is extreme to the point to where it is, I mean, I'll, I'll get my thoughts afterward, but I, but I just, I can't help but feel overwhelmed by the kind of courage this must have taken, knowing what was about to happen. And Bushnell burned himself alive to make you turn your eyes to Gaza. I watched the uncensored video of U.S. Airman Aaron Bushnell self-immolating in front of the Israeli embassy in Washington while screaming, Free Palestine. I hesitated to watch it, because I knew once I put it into my mind, it's there for the rest of my life. I figured I owe him that much. I feel like I've been picked up and shaken, which I suppose was pretty much what Bushnell was going for. Something to shake the world awake to the reality of what's happening. 
something to snap us out of the brainwashed and distracted stupor of western dystopia and turn our gaze to Gaza. The sounds stay with you more than the sights. The sound of his gentle, youthful, Michael Sarah-like voice as he walked toward the embassy. The sound of the round metal container he stored the accelerant in, getting louder as it rolls toward the camera. The sound of Bushnell saying, Free Palestine, then screaming it, then switching to wordless screams when the pain became too overwhelming, then forcing out one more Free Palestine before losing his words for good. The sound of the cop screaming at him to get down on the ground over and over again. The sound of a first responder telling police to stop pointing guns at Bushnell's burning body and go get fire extinguishers. He remained standing for an unbelievable amount of time while he was burning. I don't know where he got the strength to do it. He remained standing long after he'd stopped vocalizing. Bushnell was taken to the hospital, where independent reporter Talia Jane reports that he has died. It was about as horrific a death as a human being can experience, and it was designed to be. Shortly before his final act in this world, Bushnell posted the following message on Facebook, quote, Many of us like to ask ourselves, what would I do if I was alive during slavery, or the Jim Crow South, or apartheid? What would I do if my country was committing genocide? The answer is, you're doing it right now. End quote. Aaron Bushnell has provided his own answer to this challenge. We're all providing our own right now. I would never do what Bushnell did, and I would never recommend anyone else does either. That said, I also can't deny that his action is having its intended effect, drawing attention to the horrors that are happening in Gaza. I know this is true, because everywhere I see Aaron Bushnell being discussed online, I see a massive deluge of pro-Israel trolls frantically swarming the comments in a mad rush to manipulate the narrative. They all understand how destructive it is to U.S. and Israeli information interests for people to be seeing an international news story about a member of the U.S. Air Force self-immolating on camera while screaming Free Palestine and they are doing everything they can to mitigate that damage. As I write this, there are with absolute certainty people digging through Bushnell's history, searching for dirt that can be spun as evidence that he was a bad person, that he was mentally ill, that he was steered astray by pro-Palestine activists and dissident media, whatever they can make stick. If they find something, literally anything, the smearmeisters and propagandists will run with it as far as they can. That's what they're choosing to do at this point in history. That's what they would have done during slavery, or the Jim Crow South, or apartheid. That's what they're doing while their country commits genocide right now. People are showing what they would have done with their response to Gaza. And they're showing what they would have done with their response to the self-immolation of Aaron Bushnell. I'm not going to link to the video here. Watching it is a personal decision that you should probably do your own legwork for to make sure it's really what you want. Whether you watch it or not, it happened, just like the incineration of Gaza is happening right now. We each own our personal response to that reality. This is who we are. I really, really agree with that. And I, I really want to caution again. Make sure you are prepared for what you're going to watch. I, I got to be honest. It's one of it's one of a few things that has been one of the hardest things. It's just it's just the way that this video goes, and I argue that it's not necessary. 
it, it, it's something that, it, but again, I'm not going to link to it either. I agree with what he's saying. That's something that you should have to re- really truly agree that, you, you know, cause it's the kind of thing that, you know, it, it's like, but I mean, quite frankly, we've seen an unending amount of this stuff from Gaza, but there's something especially hard to watch about that. You know, it's like watching, we've seen the videos and stuff. It's like watching one of those things happen in real time in Gaza. In any case, I agree with what he's saying. And I, I, the thoughts that came to mind, you know, is that somebody who goes through that, the, 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 and so you understand it, while he's walking up there, he's uncharacteristically calm and, and discussing this in the most measured way about why this needs to, you know. And the point is that he pours this on his head and he lights himself on fire and he stands there. Not only does he not run away, he then can he he then goes on to save free Palestine more than once. I just want to express, guys, you need to have a, a level of resolve that I don't think any of us truly understand to be able to not just do that, but to continue it to the very end, to continue screaming free Palestine while you know you. I mean, I just can't. I just that deserves a kind of respect that i just can't even wrap my mind around the fact that somebody is who's willing and again i'm not even saying for all you if you want to argue he's mentally ill and there's conversation to be had about that but it doesn't really change that does it the 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 core point being that he chose to do this now matter how irrational you think because he wanted you to stop what you were doing and recognize that this is something we need to do everything to stop that we need to put everything we have into making sure that this does not continue to the point to where he's willing to take his own life in, in a spectacularly painful fashion just in hopes that you pay attention one more second. And not only, my point being, did this and then you know ran away saying, put me out, I'm on fire, like anybody would if it was just a half-thought-through plan, but to the end. I just think the, the courage that it takes to do that is, I can't even understand it. It's incomprehensible to me. And I think the the sad reality about this is that people are turning this into what they want. And that's, again, like I said, it, it, there's a whole conversation to be had about whether there was more influence to this, whether there was something else going on. And that, of course, is valid points to be made. But the truth is the truth about what's actually going on. And it goes back to the point that I was just making, that if you can't recognize why that's happening, you don't want to. And taking P. Har- PJ Harvey's point here, <laughs> I mean, if you if you... If you Actually, he's the one that actually said this. I'll read what he wrote. Honestly, can't think of a more iconically American image than a cop pointing a gun at a man burning to death. I mean, that deserves an entire conversation right there. Truly, like a panel of people to discuss why that is such an iconically American image and realizing, well, what's even this is even going to make it more interestingly American and insulting when you find out that according to Loki, it was an Israeli embassy agent. As people rushed to try to save his life, an Israeli embassy agent held a gun fixed on Aaron Bushnell after he set himself on fire. Why is that not surprising to me? <laughs> it's just it's just so overwhelming. And here is the worst part of all of it, in my opinion. Caitlin Johnstone writes this. She already covered this. The, the most American thing that is... Oh, so she's, she wrote an article about this, calling this the most American thing that's ever happened. Saying a man set himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy in Washington today. He said it did it in protest of the genocide in Gaza. And I, I mean, most of this we've already just discussed. The point is that uh, th- that was where this main image came from. Um, I think somebody links to it in here. 
of specifically the uh, Talia Jane, who first reported that he was he had died. Overall, her point that this was listed, and this person posts this, just showing you this. This is not not in a positive way. Trying to show us this happening. Mossad is calling this person an enemy. Mossad posted first in Hebrew, Israel lives. Then it says our enemies kill themselves. That's literally what they wrote. Now, because Twitter is going out of its way to suppress and censor anything that looks bad for them, I want you to make sure you see this part. This is not, like, we've shown you other examples where they they suppressed because it was, you know, they claimed it was, you know, gory or whatever. Well, the reality is this is an image. It's an image of person. It's not gory or graphic of just him burning, which is horrible. My point is that this is being removed quietly by Twitter because it's, well, oh, I, I take that back. This is one, those are the examples coming up. This was because Mossad deleted it. So this still says our enemies kill themselves. That's Mossad. That's not up for debate. This, they deleted. I wonder why. Well, here it is. Not that, you know, I just want to make sure you know that we always do our due diligence. And this says in Israel, in Hebrew, Israel lives. And that's the image of him setting himself on fire. So first of all, why would you put an image of Israel or a statement of Israel lives after a guy sets himself on fire, U.S. military personnel? Well, because he came out and said, I'm doing this to protest what's happening in Gaza. So no matter who you are, if you're in the IDF, if you're in the, if you're literally in the Israeli government and you come out and say, I think what's happening in Gaza is wrong, you'll, you'll be strung up at this point. That's what's happening. Doesn't matter if you're an ally. Doesn't matter if you basically just go, it's all the right thing except maybe kill less children. Suddenly you're an anti Semite and you hate Jews. Even though you're literally walking a line that everybody else hates too. Like it's just incredible the irrational responses from Israel, which shows desperation. But then again, then chooses to go out of its way to take an ink on their English account. And put our enemies kill themselves, which means they wanted you to see that. They wanted Americans to recognize what they were saying. That if you, no matter where you are, what you do, if you're saying what we're doing is wrong, you're our enemy. Pretty simple, isn't it? Now, why would they delete it? Because I don't think they think these things through. And I think they got an amazing amount of pushback as people started going, our greatest ally? An American service member is your enemy? Yes, guys, this is, we need to understand what's happening here. Here's some other counts, by the way, that this is the ones that got suppressed. Stop anti-Semitism, says PSA, setting yourself on fire will not free Palestine, but it might get you a free pass into the ICU burn unit. Yeah, who, the guy later died. Like, do you, do you think it's okay to make light of this situation, to make a joke about what's going on because this person dares to protest your genocide? Guys, this should make you sick. This should show you the kind of mentality the people, the Zionist accounts are embody. I mean, it, it, and the point is, this is the tweet that's now just like grayed out, even though it's actually there. And I keep showing this that this is Twitter choosing, and it, it's not like they're blocking this image. The image is all over the internet, all over Twitter. What they're doing, though, is just quietly suppressing this stuff. Now, if you don't have that link in there, which you don't always do, it just looks like it's gone. I showed you this just the other day. This is selective suppression. It's thought control. That's what's happening. And while it's more prominent than ever, Alex Jones is breaking the story. They're censoring us, too. But maybe not. Maybe it's the leftist doing it. 
Yeah. You think that's not by, you think it's by accident? It's coordinated kettling. You're, you're, you, when you when you get noticed, all of a sudden we're seeing the thing. You get the false partisan media that jumps in there and goes, what's over? Let's break it. And then driving you right back into a controlled area. That's how that works. I'm not saying I know for sure that's what he's doing, but that's how that works, though. So the point is, they're all making fun of this guy. All across the Zionist media, and it gets, I, I'm not even getting into the stuff that, if you just take, you go ahead and take a time on Twitter, today it'll make you sick. The kind of things that are being expressed by Zionist accounts, people like the Eli Davids of the world, it will make you vomit. They are going out of their way to act like this person is mentally ill. I mean, it just horrible, horrible. Here's stop anti-Semitism. Update. The individual identified as Aaron Bushnell, who set himself on fire outside the embassy, died from his wounds. This is just another shocking reminder of what the radical free Palestine movement causes. See, you can't just let it, you can't ignore the opportunity, right? You're an opportunist. The guy went out and did this of his own volition in the U.S. military to get attention as at least out what he expressed. So my point would be, before we know anything, stop anti-Semitism just decides to assume that. You decide to take him and ignore what he said he did it for and just put your narrative on it to abuse this person's memory for your benefit. Not shocking. Not at all, in fact. Just like the same way you're abusing the term anti-Semitism to hide the crimes of Zionist governments. But they follow up. Bushnell films himself prior. And again, I guess here's the link if you'd like to look at it. But they, he says, 25-year-old American serving in the U.S. Air Force sent, set himself on fire because of, quote, what people in Palestine have been experiencing at the hands of our colonizers. Yeah, you mean all the 10 to, what, 15,000 children that have been killed? The And not even getting in. That's the crazy part. We're talking about the deaths. Do you realize how hard this is for the people that aren't dying? The people that are on the verge of starvation, barely making it through day to day, the children starving, dying of thirst, or barely about to be dying, or the people getting pregnant on the dirt roads, having arms lopped off without anesthetic. That's also going on. And then there's 40, 30,000 people being killed and 15,000 children, hundreds of doctors, 150 different UN members. My God. But he says he's living on, on and all he can do, instead of acknowledging this, first of all, I think this is an important point. Instead of going, well, he's wrong, right? Well, that's not true. They're not doing that. Doesn't do any of that. So basically just accepts that statement, but it goes, but he's living on a colonized land, which is true, and his army has outposts all over the world. Yeah, he burned himself in Palestine. So you see my point? The disdain they have for everything American, like this guy can't, st he, the, the first opportunity. So basically you're going, but, but America's disgusting and bad and they're doing the same thing and all you can do is point at us. So you admit that as long as they're doing it too? I mean, it's just gross. First of all, obviously, this was a colonial settler colonial project in regard to taking over the, you know, I mean, a little different than the conversation of Zionists in Palestine, but clearly taking over all the Native American land and putting them in a bunch of camps. The same thing. But my, the point is we're watching you murder children in real time. So his argument is not to say that's not true. You're lying about us, but just going to say, but the U.S. is bad too, and he burns himself for us. I just can't get past how bad that is and the kind of people these people are. That you have no humanity, no no compassion for this. You make a quick side point, by the way, while throwing your chief ally under the bus just to make a quick little point. <laughs> just makes me sick. It really does. Now, here are a couple of reactions from Yemen. And, and, and overseas, 
just kind of showing you as you're going to get a lot of pushback about this from people claiming it's the extremist ideology, like just realize if you're trying to frame an extremist ideology, it's you look no further than the one justifying murdering 15,000 children. <laughs> I mean, my God. But if you're going to pretend like this is because Palestinians are extreme, like make the point. Where is it? Explain for me why this guy is extreme because he believes Palestinians should be free. Like, are there classes he's taking to make him, you know, teach him how to, I mean, think about what a crazy and, and fact-free argument that is. So I believe Palestinians should not be murdered. Therefore, I'm now suddenly an extremist, which means I'm going to go bomb things. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. On the other side of it, you can literally see the actions that that that, that are are taking place because of the what they are what they believe, what they claim they're fighting for, the Zionist agenda. So, it's keeping that in mind, here is what a lot of people from the world are seeing what he did as: humanity knows no religion or homeland. My, it says, "May God have mercy on him and accept him as a martyr, along with all the martyrs of Gaza." Shame and shame, shame and shame on the Arabs and Muslims and countries other than Yemen who did not even go out to demonstrate. Now, again, all these words tend to be misrepresented. Martyr, a martyr is also somebody who just gets killed in Gaza because Israel bombs there. They say, there's how many martyrs there were today. It doesn't just mean a person who goes out and kills people for some uh, political agenda, which is how, of course, they would want that to be taken. The point is simply that he did this for them, right? He wants to be, you know, it's what the word martyr means, right? You can be martyred. You can be a martyr. The point is you're making a statement. Your death is meant to mean something. And he says, an American working in the U.S. Army, a pilot burned himself in front of the Zionist embassy in Washington, rejecting the massacres in Gaza, while some Zionist Arabs, devoid of honor and manliness, bless these massacres against our people and children in Gaza. Now, remember that point about Zionist embassy coming from one of these accounts. I'm going to make a point about that in a second. This one says, Allah is the greatest by God. His shoelaces are greater than those of the Arab rulers. This one has a better conscience than the Arabs who watched the massacres in Gaza and did nothing. So all of this is to say, guys, that ultimately people are driven to desperation. If you're, if, as we sit here and watch this, and for those of us that are keeping tabs on this horrifying story, it's nearly impossible to continue to feel like, I mean, not only to feel, it's, it's impossible to feel like you're changing things. Right. Not only to feel like you're helpless, like there is no effect you can possibly have on what's happening, which is just the worst for me. I hate feeling like you have no control over the situation. And that people will take extreme action because they're desperate to stop this. What this embodies is the collective feeling of the world right now. Obviously, it's not something I'm going to do. That's that that is the kind of action that I think is extreme for sure. And, you know, and as I said, so I think I saw someone mention in the chat, if, if, you know, if it's something that we should, we should have probably tried to stop. Either way, the intention, at least as he expressed it, is very clear. And we all feel as a collective right now, as the peoples of the world who recognize genocide, that we can't stop this. And that is a horrible feeling. That's what we're all fighting for. And it, either that drove him to the point to where he just literally felt like he had to do this. Because people were dying every moment in his name, or there's some other element that drove him to it, mental illness, I don't know. Nonetheless, I still see the act being noble. I see what he did to be courageous. And I think that's important to understand. At least that I feel that way, and I don't think it should be, you should shy away from expressing that, because he's doing it, at least as he expressed, 
four people who are literally being murdered right now. I mean, just the act, just the time it took him to do that. What? I don't know. Five children died. Try to just break it down very quickly. I mean, it, the numbers are changing every day. So let's finish today with the illusion that this is not a justifiable act of resistance. And I'm not talking about any of the atrocity propaganda. I'm not talking about the acts that they may have, that, well, again, to be clear, that some Hamas members have said, stated publicly that they you know, took civilians back as hostages, killed people while they were there. Nonetheless, the point is that every day more and more comes out that shows that more and more people were killed by the IDF, that they then lumped all of them onto saying Hamas did all this, which they ultimately dispute. Nonetheless, you can show there are civilians that were taken to Gaza. But as we continue to see genocide continue to compound in Gaza, it becomes less and less important to be worried about a civilian being taken and then being carefully brought back in complete safety and fed and given medical treatment. Yeah, it's a crime and that's horrible. And it's probably scary for that person. And I've said that from the very beginning. And I was much more concerned about it right in the beginning. Now, after five months of genocide, I'm a little less worried about it. Every human life matters, but I'm, gonna, I'm, I, I'm not going to allow that person's suffering, because it is suffering, to suddenly eclipse 15,000 children being killed. At the very least, they should be con discussed in the same conversation. But every time it gets redirected back to this person's suffering back here on October 7th, who's now been brought back to home. You know, anyway, the point is that clearly we have to remember that what happened was a legally protected act of rebellion. Whether it was the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, Hamas, a grouping of random Palestinians, they have the legal right to armed resistance, armed rebellion per the Fourth Geneva Convention under international law. It's an easily proven fact. So when we consider this conversation, we have to remember that's where this began. And crimes that were committed after that can be addressed as crimes. Same going on in Gaza, right? You can argue the illegal actions or a lack thereof from what they're doing and everything since when they continue to murder children and bomb civilians and kidnap and rape and steal, then we can go crime, 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 because we are. Same thing, right? So when we understand that, it changes the entire dynamic. It changes the game of terrorist act, defending against killing Jews, and the whole game, they continue to push over this. Dr. Eli David, of course, posts this clip which is generally what he's saying, where he's discussing, you know, what happened on October 7th. And I keep making this point, and they keep doing the same thing over and over, which is all they have. I mean, I keep making, I have a point that I keep, yeah, it's not even worth it, it's so unimportant, but, you know, I, I've got all these things lined up from his account, showing you, like, I mean, literally, like, every 15 minutes doing the exact same post, or saying the same thing, like, 14 days in a row without fail, as if, like, why would you need to do that? Why, why not retweet your old tweet? Right, like the point is that you're doing because it's propaganda. You're relentless, nonstop, same thing. Rape allegations, atrocity propaganda. Go to the border. You hate Egyptians, hate Palestinians because they're all terrorists, and over and over and over and over. It's nonstop. This is the kind of same point he keeps making. Right, all the you know. So at the same moment, pretending that we're trying to help the innocent Palestinians, but then going, but they're all gross and dirty Palestinians that support got, support Hamas. Every moment. You can't have both ways. So the point is very clear. They despise all Palestinians. And they go out of their way to highlight examples that they pretend justify that hatred. Well, then, when on display for the public world, saying, but we're only going after Hamas and we pinpoint target them and we're saving the civilians. But, you know, human shields and support and voted on, on uh, 
October, I can't remember, excuse me, 2005, or, you know, the elections and so on, the same talking points. He writes, innocent Palestinian civilian, in quotes. Well, I just want to say right out of the gate, if this guy was literally standing there saying, I support what Hamas did, I hate Jewish people. Let's just say that's exactly what he said. It's not. Does that make him guilty? Does that suddenly make him worthy of bombing? Does that suddenly mean that his children could be kidnapped? Does that suddenly mean that everything he owns can be stolen? In Israel, apparently. Yeah. Literally what's happening. I mean, just recognize in the West Bank too, by the way, as much as they want you to only look over here, in the West Bank, they are kidnapping children. It's the worst it's ever been. They're bombing, stealing, displacing. Is that about Hamas? They're not even trying to make that argument. It's just so patently obvious that these people are caught. But my point is, is he, if he's a, in the United States, if you suddenly say you're racist, but there's plenty of them. If you stand up and say, I hate black people, does that mean your, your house can be bombed? Does that mean the United States government come in and, and rob you and steal from you and put your children in prison? I mean, it's just obscene that they pretend like this makes sense. Why? Because they say this person wants to kill all the Jews, which it's just a game that keeps getting played to wrap over the reality of the situation. Here's what he, here's what he, he says in this quote. We are eating animal food, which, by the way, is what's happening. Right now, as Robert was just telling me, they're literally grinding up animal food to eat because they're starving to death. He says, but we have a message to Hamas. Don't give up. And we have a message for Jews, which is what he said, but I'll explain in a second. We already did October 7th, and there will be October 8th, 9th and 10th. Zero sympathy for the civilians, he writes in quotes, which, again, are they no longer civilians because you disagree with their opinions? It just, it just shows you the kind of wishy-washy nonsense that these people conflate. Like, how about we can suddenly say, well, Eli David supports the genocidal Israel so we can bomb his home tomorrow. Does that, does that sound justified? Or we can pretend that he's suddenly X, Y, and Z, and therefore we, dis, we disregard his human rights because he expresses support for genocidal agenda. Is that the same thing? I don't agree with any of that, by the way. Because that's crazy. That's the kind of sentiment you get from these kind of lunatic Zionists. But let's, let's explain this. Okay, so first of all, they're starving to death. Don't you think that would drive them to literally support anybody who's pushing back? Probably. But he says, don't give up. Well, again, you guys, you have to realize that there, there is support from us. That's not debated. But there's also a lot of people in there that didn't vote for them, have no stake in what Hamas is, but will also tell you that we support anything that is fighting for self-determination for Palestine, which is what's happening. They're fighting for self-determination. They're fighting for their prisoners back. They're fighting for a state of Palestine. They'll just pretend that equals killing all the Jews. It literally doesn't. And again, like every time we say this out loud, it becomes increasingly more cartoonish. Now, he goes on to say, and we have a message for Jews. <clears throat> now, what's important here, and Robert and I talked about this. There's a, there, I forget, it's like, I think it's Yehud or the, the word that they use, which does roughly translate to Jews. But the point is, if you, if you understand the language and understand the dynamic, that's largely how they, they uh, frame the Israeli population. It's a, it's a kind of a synonymous word they use for just talking about these Israelis for is the Israeli government. That's, that's how that works. Now you could argue and you have, you could make a fair case for why he is just talking about Jewish people. Maybe he is, but you also have to realize that this is how Israel frames itself, right? Now think about this for a second. Israel's the one saying this is the state of the Jews alone, right? This is the Jewish state. Zionism is Judaism. 
Okay, so that's what they say. That's not true. I mean, I've proven this every which way that Zionism is not, re- and there, at the very least, you could prove there's entire Jewish organizations in the world that do not feel they're represented by that. So you just can't keep blanket statements saying it is this equals that. But if they're the ones presenting themselves as that, and then they go, well, then the Jews did this, and then they go, oh, you're racist. It's like, how does that make sense? You're, they're simply using the terminology that you put forward, and then you commit crimes, and then they go, well, this is what happened, right? So if you read this, the ultimate way is being presented, saying, we're starving, we're eating animal food, and I have a message for Hamas. Don't give up, and we have a message for whoever's doing this to us. Read as the Zionist state, as Israel, as the Jews, or however they want to frame those things. The point is the term to them implies the Israeli entity. And it's not that hard to wrap your mind around when the term itself is exactly what Israel presents itself as. That that's the same thing to them, right? Like, doesn't that seem ridiculous that if you, if he's engaging with you the way you present yourself and then you he does so and you call him racist for doing it? It just shows you this complete... <clears throat> Nothing adds up. Everything about this narrative is so convoluted and broken because of just century, or rather decades of lies. But my point, the last point that's most important so the same thing I said in the beginning. So like again, for sake of conversation, let's just pretend he means literally the Jewish people. What he's, say, what he's saying here is we did the October 7th, which in their minds was not aimed at Jewish people. And this is a very clear opinion that Roberts talked about of the general portion of the, the majority of Palestinians. They see this as a military operation that attacked Israel, that was fighting to get their people brought home. And many of them will flat out deny that there was even any crimes committed in the sense of deliberately killing civilians and so on. Now, you could disagree with that, sure. But you have to realize what they're talking about when they talk about this is the act of rebellion, legally protected, which we're going to go into next. So when they say, yeah, we're going to do it again, they mean we're going to continue to fight for our self-determination. Now, obviously, you could argue that they don't mean that. But if we're going to pretend like... He knows what this person means, more so than people who are literally in the community, people who are expressing their opinions outwardly, publicly, telling you this is what we mean. That's a self-serving choice. To listen to the Zionist who wants to pretend to tell you what Palestinians think, other than actual Palestinians who will tell you what they think. That's the game that keeps getting played. When I say free Palestine, people tell me I'm anti-Semitic. That's How does that possibly make sense? It's the same thing happening here. But the last part, Oh, and again, the earlier part was about the idea that even if he has these opinions, there's no legal reality that makes him suddenly justifiable to be killed. But that's what's happening. They're saying innocent Palestinians, which then means if they're not, that means that they can bomb them. That's what they keep telling you. But then he says zero sympathy for these, quote, civilians. Right? Zero sympathy for these, quote, civilians. Then he says you deserve it all. Oops. Yeah, his disgusting hatred bled out a little too much right there. I'm I'm actually wondering if he's going to try to delete this at some point, because the reality is, what about the 15,000 children, David? Did they deserve it? Did they choose to support Hamas? Did they vote for Hamas? You have zero sympathy for what? Because this one guy says something you dislike, you're you. They all deserve it. Well, let's not forget how many people have said this. Elon Eli uh, Levy says this. We have, I think, four or five different people in their Knesset that have publicly said that the children deserve it. An ex Mossad member just said any child over four deserves to starve to death. I mean, guys, they literally keep showing you who they are, and he just simply says they deserve it all, all of it: the starvation, the bombings. 
the rape, the theft, the murder, all of it. All of them. It's just not hard to see. Now, to understand this point, I'm just going to, I've shown you probably four different documents. Here's another one. I've shown you the Geneva Convention. I've shown you other United Nations documents. This is just another resolution. 45-130, the General Assembly. Oh, it looks like I lost my, hold on. There it is. I had it highlighted. But it's saying up here, you know, so the General Assembly reaffirms, and this, the, the, the title of this is The Right of Peoples to Self-Determination slash Struggle by All Available Means. And this is what bothers me about this body, is that they, they do this, and we're, like, these things are documented. It's like, it's like having a law that says you can't do X, Y, and Z, and then 20 years later passing a bill that says reaffirming that we have this law. It's like, what is the point of that? It's meaningless. That means you're not doing your jobs if we have to reaffirm it. We, that means we're debating it's real. It's, all, it's, it's written down. It's already processed. So my point is, this is one of those examples where they go, we're reaffirming the legitimacy of the struggle of peoples for independence, territorial integrity, national unity, and liberation from colonial dominion, apartheid, and foreign occupation by all available means, including armed struggle. So just in case you're debating this is real, it's documented international law. And this is citing the Geneva Conventions, the four Geneva Conventions. That's what it's about. And so if we're talking about people fighting for independence, territorial integrity, that could mean any of these. That could mean the Palestinians, Syrians, Iraqis, the Native Americans. It's all the same thing. Just because you don't like one and you like the other doesn't mean that's a personal self-serving choice. The Palestinians have the legal right to fight back whether or not they were ever attacked after the occupation. So just because they wake up one day and say, we're going to go invade Israel does not mean it's a crime. In fact, it legally means it's protected because they're still occupied. Whether you agree with that or not is irrelevant. That's what the international community has maintained without question. And then I'll just include this. And I can do any, uh, well, I'll grab these two. The, the uh, Israeli human rights group very clearly saying that a regime of Jewish supremacy from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. This is apartheid. 2021. And this, is, this is an Israeli human rights group. Amnesty International. Israel's apartheid. Right? So the point is that is. So whether or not you agree with any of the rest of it, the point is it is very clearly an apartheid. And they're saying the legitimacy of the struggle for independence and liberation from apartheid as one of those things, foreign occupation, so on. That means they can raise up weapons and go in and attack. No, no, that does not include civilians, right? So, but if you're going to take issue with that, which I do too, then we should deal with that after all of this settles, you have to do the same for Israel. You just can't pretend like the one civilian that we're talking about here or the many examples we're talking about in regard to where they took. I just question how many were actually killed by Hamas in the first place when they went in. You can't just pretend like the thousands of civilians being killed by Israel are somehow justifiable, self-serving. But here is just, it looks like a Canadian group. It's a cjpme.org, Palestinians and the right to resist. It's got this PDF document that you can look at right here. And it's simply saying, yes, the United Nations General Assembly has explicitly affirmed the right of specifically Palestinians to resist Israel's military occupation through armed struggle. So why are we pretending like this isn't real when it's been affirmed and reaffirmed and written about and discussed? I mean, this is 2023. This is from, a, uh, it's called Law for Palestine. Just the same thing. Just reaffirming 
The illegal occupation represents an unlawful use of force. And yes, they have the legal right to armed resistance. Now, on top of all of that, right, when we're talking about this conversation about innocent Palestinians, you deserve what you got. Again, the same point I've made 15,000 times. This absolute deceptive liar, disgusting human being that wants to allow genocide for his own purposes, will never address the fact that even Israeli media has told us that while that was happening, leading up to it before as far back as you want to look in regard to, well, I should say that, but uh, I'll, I'll just do this. I forgot the exact dates. Include Robert's article he just discussed in 2023. Did Israel really, really create Hamas? Now, it's not exactly creation, but the point we make that I've been making as well is that in the essence of what it is today, I argue they created this. But the organization that was Hamas existed before I think that there was Israeli influence, but I argue it was what it's become and how it's been utilized in that sense created. But either way, the point is it's there was a period where it was influenced, controlled, and funded by Israel, which I question is still happening to this day. But I think things have changed pretty dramatically by the growing up of lots of children that have been, as Ritter points it, children of the camps, who have grown up watching this happen to them, watch their families get murdered in front of them, who have now sought any way to fight back. And that became Hamas in a lot of ways, the most kind of controlled, uh, organized group that they have in this sense. And so over the process of the last 10, 20 years, has that changed who it is? Maybe. Regardless, as Haretz points out, Netanyahu said in 2019, anyone who wants to thwart a two-state solution, I'm paraphrasing, establishment of a Palestinian state, has to bolster, support bolstering Hamas and transferring money to Hamas. Bolstering means arming, guys. They're supporting them. They're creating them. Transferring money to them. And then he says, this is part of our strategy. And in the actual article, it says to basically stop them, like basically the PA, the P, the PA in the West Bank, Hamas in, the, in Gaza. Doing this, funding the very thing you are threat or you're the boogeyman that you're using to scare your own children, to scare your own population that you're funding, making dangerous so you can keep what you want. So you're literally the enemy of everybody in that circumstance. And it's not even to be, to be a, an indictment of Hamas. It's really just the fact that these people were trying to make it into what they wanted at the expense of literally everybody. Why don't they talk about that in this context? Right? So you're literally talking about, here's our message to Hamas. Don't give up. Well, you funded this group. You made that happen. So they deserve it all? The thing you made, created, and drove? I mean, come on. You just have to realize how gross this all is. And on top of that, this is the kind of influence this drives. Here's what Whitney Webb said. Kid Rock evolves into neocon rock. I'll just say, just I would argue, just <laughs> exposes that's always the reality. In saying that the country's most popular podcast platform is Joe Rogan, these comments with no pushback. Not, not, I mean, not, not any real pushback of any kind from him to say that's completely detestable. You should, I mean, here's what he says. I mean, this will blow your mind. This is the kind of lowbrow, ignorant response from people who are, I guess, think it's okay to just take a strong stance and be like, good, because we're the freedom. You know, whatever we're, we, it's, it's like, you know, Im imagine his statement here is like an embodiment of the entire movie of uh, America World Police. Right? Like this belligerent, mindless idea that we can just blow up everything in front of us as long as you claim you're going after the guy you're trying to get. Like that scene in the beginning. He's literally going to tell you that he thinks it's good. He says Israel should kill tens of thousands of civilians if they don't give our people back. He even says civilians. Get, guys, there's no coming back from that. You're disgusting. You are a horrible person, either a sociopath or somebody who has been so convinced that anybody other than white people are, are not worth your time. I just don't know how to take that. Civilians, 
not Hamas members, but civilians. Yeah. Disagree with what Israel's doing. It's like they should just go in there and be like, you know what? We want our hostages back. If we don't have them back, clock starts now in fucking 24 hours. We're going to start bombing motherfuckers and killing fucking civilians. 30, 40,000 a fucking time. So you civilians better fucking pack up and fucking get these fucking motherfuckers. And t- I mean, it's somebody speaking from a place of absolute ignorance. And I mean the sense that he has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, just get up and move because there we want this. I mean, that's just the kind of American exceptionalism or Israeli exceptionalism. The idea that we can just do what we want because we're powerful and we know and we're, the, we're right by might. I mean, it's a, it's a dying concept, guys. These people are remnants of the neocon, we're the best in the world mindset, who I guess it worked for him when he was singing his America just ridiculous songs. But at the end of the day, what you're expressing right now is ignorance. Either either manuf- like either saying what you think is supposed to be the thing to said, or the fact that you're that gross. Like you're the lowest common denominator of person that's willing to say, we can murder all of them because we get we don't have what we want back. Well, you just said civilians. So all the children, as long as you don't you want your people back. What in what world is that is that some kind of like you have to realize that the American perspective the agenda or the you know perception is that we're fighting for good reason. It's not true. Not that we're just fighting because we want this and we that we're the ones that are going to take it, but the idea that we're doing it because it's the right thing to do. That's not the right thing to do. Just because you got your people got taken, you're going to murder their people too. So you're just as bad. You are the you are the bad thing you claim you're pointing at, and I don't think they even care. Again, you want my honest opinion? I think this guy's just trying to sound tough. I think he's just trying to sound like the, the the persona that he's always put forward and wants to shock people and say that I stand with them because that's what the power of we would do, America. It's dumb. It's dumb, disgusting, lowbrow nonsense. And I think he should be called out for it. You you go against We're going to start bombing motherfuckers and killing fucking civilians. 30, 40,000 a fucking time. So you civilians better fucking pack up and fucking get these fucking motherfuckers and t- you you go against Hamas. You fucking go against them. Yeah, go ahead, children. You know, 50,000 kids, you fight against the group that Israel funded to fight you. So uninformed. We're not playing fucking games with you. But that's yeah, the, the only thing people understand. This is what happened armed. in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Oh, right. So it's okay that we just drop nuclear bombs on a civilian lit location, even as all Japanese fronts were in retreat? I can guarantee he doesn't know that. It's just American exceptionalism. It's disgusting. It is about pretending that we're all good and great because we just because we have enough power to take what we want. It makes me sick. And again, it is a changing reality, guys. That's not what most people think, I would argue. But just think about how disgusting that is. Openly saying this about civilians. Now let's take another let's let's reverse the situation. Right? So you're saying you have our hostages, right? Okay, well, I could give you countless examples of in circumstances in this country where people are perceived to be held. People that are captured from foreign countries. How about just Native Americans for that matter, right? I mean, the idea that you could literally make the argument that that means that we can just murder and bomb whoever we want until we get what we want. Yeah, you must have been talking to Netanyahu today. God, just, I've, I've never had much respect for this ridiculous person, but it's completely zero at this point. Now, here's examples of the kind of stuff that this that, that comes from. Right. So this person either just says that because it's what he thought he was supposed to say, or he's listening to people like this. Or any of the other propagandist liars I've shown you. Eviva Klampas says in Karutzba Ere, 
you know, the most obvious example of the the, the uh, cannibal directive or procedure, 80% of the recovered bodies show signs of torture. <laughs> I mean, no citation, just stating lies. I mean, the reality is that this was a scene that was proven to have been engaged with by the IDF and all of the things they've later touted, like this ridiculous person right here on saying we saw children on, on clotheslines. That was a lie. I'm, I've showed you this clip. This is directly from Israeli media saying these are all lies. Where is that? Right? I'm trying to find the line where it says. In any case, I'll include this. You can watch it for yourself. Yeah, he says, well, no, eight babies were killed in Bay No women named Jenna even lived there. And, you know, it just they're, they're breaking this down. This guy lied about this. The reporter that talked about this, but the clothesline, like the same day came back and was like, that's a lie. It's not true. I apologize. Or how about the lady we just told you? It said 67 different sperms in this one woman. And then the next day she came out and said, I apologize. That was a rumor. But my point is those things already got what they wanted out of it. It was a screamed narrative that got a momentum of the day. And then the response gets suppressed and throttled and hidden. And so some of you see it, but the vast majority of people go forward thinking, oh, another example of how obviously they raped everybody. It works on some people. But the point is that this person is lying right there. Again, Palestinians will tell you that's, uh, that's obviously not what actually happened, that they went in to get uh, hostages in order to exchange for their people. And it was very milit militant in a sense, like military organized. You could disagree. But everything we have coming from the IDF, coming from Israelis who were there, who saw it, who didn't end up getting taken, or those that came back, is completely the opposite of that. Like, diametric opposite. She also says recovery workers, and we're talking about uh, Zaka and the groups that have been caught lying repeatedly about the woman, the babies in the oven, the baby's woman out of the stomach. I mean, that lie after lie after lie. And they're still saying those things, even of Haaretz, and people who were there with them said that's not true. But she goes on to say those people described people with their hands bound, which has already been shown to be a, an allegation that has been, th th these were people that were bound. Anyway, all of these are lies, guys. Burnt to death, right? All of these have been shown to be lies. The, the only people that were burned to death were burned because they bombed the buildings when they had them inside. That's been admitted to. Some bodies were found decapitated. That's been proven to not be true. The entire families were butchered. Same thing. And I'll include this again, right? Just because it's one of the examples of the average person will find more clout coming from a person from the Guardian, but it shouldn't. My point is Owen Jones from the Guardian went to the special screening and made this video telling you it's not at all what they're saying. No proof of beheaded babies, no proof of Hamas killing children, no proof of rape, no proof any of those, none of it. Beheading humans. He literally says none of it. He called people from all different countries. They said, yeah, I didn't see it either. But yet you get these Israeli journalists that come out and say, oh my God, it proved everything. They're lying every single day. Just like this. Watch this video. I've played this probably five times, but it goes through all these things where they're going, if this is real, man, this is real. This guy right here. It's real. It's real life. He's lying. That's how dumb it is. He's proven to have been lying, but that's what he was saying at the time. This is not some soap opera. It's real. Yeah, you got caught lying. And Jeremy Cahill came out and pointed this out. Which, by the way, take the time to go through this and actually look at every one of the links, which, by the way, Twitter seems to weirdly be suppressing. No surprise there. But simply telling you, reporters for the New York Times and Wall Street Journal authored incendiary stories that have ties to Israeli propaganda efforts. We just talked about some of these. New York Times, Wall Street Journal have published major stories making grave incendiary allegations that aided and embedded Israel's lie-filled justifications for killing Palestinians. 
the rooted and unstantiated, unverified, unverified uh, uh, narratives has been the focus of intense public scrutiny. You know, the bottom line is just in the interest of time, so I'm trying to get down before two hours, is that ultimately it's he goes through this piece by piece, fine tooth comb, and breaks this stuff down for you, shows you the articles where they're discussing this, the proof that shows you they're lying, and just goes, I mean, from the rape stories, everything. Their entire narrative is built on absolute lies. And this is the one we just recently mentioned, Anat Schwartz who's not even a real journalist. This person that was like, they, they brought in to write the story and has a vested interest in continuing to lie about the rape allegations. And it, guys, it's scathingly, the, the evidence is unreal. And of course, I'll go right to this, which will be at the end. But I, rec- I recommend you look at the links he includes. Here's the article he's referencing. Netanyahu's War on Truth from the 7th. It's just the most obvious thing in the world if you care to look. Wyatt Reed also points out something we've been continually showing, which is that, they're claiming right now the group that we're talking about, right? The ADL is screaming, anti-Semitism has spiked 900%, right? Has it spiked like, like this protest back in Skokie, Illinois, right? Has it spiked like this protest that, that was manipulated in Philadelphia, right? That's what we're talking about, really. The, like the Patriot Front? Well, the point here is not even about, it's not about any of that. Literally, as we've already shown you, that's why it reads pointing out, it's about benign things, as you'll see on these tearing down posters or saying we stand you know or basically this was defacing a poster that said we stand with israel see that only becomes racist when you pretend it's because they hate jews no it's about people protesting israel like when jerry seinfeld walks out of whatever he was doing and they were saying genocide supporter well they made an entire move to say they look at how much they hate jewish people it's like you guys just can't let the uh, the narrative is embarrassing at this point yes i'm sure some people do and yes i'm sure there's overlaps the point is they're saying, Jerry, you're supporting Israel. That's genocide supporting Israel. Not Jews are a separate conversation in this other than you shoehorning it in and us realizing that that's how Zionists manipulate the conversation. It's about the fact that anybody blindly supporting Israel, whether or not you support what people live there, is obviously something we should call out. And so now what they're doing is turning everything like that into anti-Semitism. And guess what they're reporting? It spiked 900%. Just like domestic terrorism seemed to spike right after January 6th because they investigated everybody, whether they were guilty or not, and every investigation became domestic terrorism. It's, it was proven, very simple. It's a, it's a lot, guys. They're manufacturing the illusion just like this. Here's Mr. David. Guess what? Millions in Brazil joined a protest to support Israel, he says. Interesting, right? Seeing as how the president just spoke up and was like, this is bad, Israel's genocidal, and everyone seemed to support him at least the statements anyway, but it says, and condemn their anti-Semitic communist leader, Lula. What's hilarious about this is he's wrong. (laughs) I don't even think he cares. Thank you, Brazilians. We won't. My point is it doesn't matter because he gets 8,000 likes and all the the point is people see it. They pretend that's the case and it gets a little more. They they manipulate your opinion a little bit more. The point is here's Mr. Propagandist in chief, Hananya Naftali, who's caught lying multiple times already, who I think is kind of the one guiding this, like just take what he says and repeat it like verbatim. But he goes, wow, over a million stand with Israel and a massive show of support for Brazil. And then he gets fact checked. (laughs) It's like, they don't care. They don't care. And the point is, I'm not believing the fact check. Look at the articles. It's not actually what's happening. This was actually from the beginning of February. And, uh, and this, and what it says is, where was the date on it? Anyway, I forget the date or somewhere in February. I don't think it was, I don't think it was actually yesterday, but either way, it's not, it's not the point about the date. The point is it's a very, very prominent Bolsonaro support 
protest or ra- rally. They're there in support of Bolsonaro. It has nothing to do with his statements about Israel. It has nothing to do with supporting Israel. They're there protesting, as it says, that he denies a coup plot, basically as people are worried that Bolsonaro is raising you know, support to be able to take control back and whatever. But of course, liars can't miss an opportunity. So they step in and they go, yay, thanks for supporting Israel. And I simply just said, you mean this march in support of Bolsonaro? Do you intentionally lie about everything or do you just genuinely not give an S? <laughs> My God. I got it, it, do we do we need to see more like that they like at the very least if you think he's just accidentally lying every 20 seconds ask yourself why you trust what he's saying the point is these guys are t- clearly being put to aggressive incessant manipulative propaganda ask yourself why that is lastly on the uh the idea of the convoys oh here let me close a couple things Oh, that was it. On the idea of the convoys and just that what they're doing to these people, right? I'll make sure I got that actually. Ah, how did I miss that? Hold on. Glad I saw it now. I hate having to wait when I'm ending. I'm going to play that at the end. But we're talking about the convoy, right? The convoy that they keep lying to us about. In regard, not the convoy, I'm saying that's confusing for other conversations for the delivery of humanitarian aid to, to Gaza. I keep telling you this, and those that are watching the show, you already know this. You're already very aware of the reality that Israel continues to block it. They continue to praise their their settlers, illegal settlers, who continue to block it. And yet, then they stand up and they go, you're lying. We're doing everything, and you guys don't care. You hate Jews. That's it. I mean, that's my point about it. They know we can see it. They know that most people are going to look and tell that they're lying. It's desperation in hopes that I guess you just win one more person over into thinking, because you already know you're caught. It's obvious. There's no hiding it. So what are you going to do? You don't stand up and give up, you know, like they're asking Hamas to do. No, you push back and you lie to the bitter end, right? Well, here he is, as I said before, actually Matt's Gilbert pointing out satellite imagery, literally proving to you that they're holding all these trucks at the crossing, right? In fact, the location they're pretending is not even happening at, but Elon Levy continues, as I wrote, to shamelessly lie about this. According to the UN, Egypt, and pretty much everybody else, it's Israel literally making sure in every possible angle that A does not enter. Like some does get through, guys, you understand. But there, there's, as I'll show you in regard to, actually, we'll just, we'll just start with this point. As even CNN pointed out, before October 7th, it was roundly discussed that it was wildly insufficient. The aid that was going through just was not meeting the needs. People were already wildly food insecure. They were already starving in some cases, already struggling. And there's, you just look up the articles going back decades. The UN has been screaming about their, how they're food insecure and how it's not, and how their, their water was 97% undrinkable. That's before October 7th. My point is, if it was insufficient then, and what they're saying is, as of October, uh, where was it? Son of a gun. Yeah, okay, it's right here. That as of, if it was 500 trucks, October 6th and before, and, you know, varying. And that was insufficient. And to the point to where people were already on the verge of starvation or or food insecurity. The point is an average of 95 trucks a day are entering. When it was 500 a day and that wasn't meeting the needs and they were already borderline starving. So now it's down to 95. So you can pretend, oh my, like that's the game they played the day. We're like, we sent two, five trucks full. People that don't understand why that's not enough will go, oh my God, look at all the stuff they're sending. Guys, it's a bullet. It's, it's not even a band in a bullet hole. It's an insult. 
it's not it's it's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what was barely meeting their needs before the war. So that's what's happening. That's not because of Egypt. It's not because of the UN. It's not because of anybody but Israel. And everybody will tell you that. So what this point is, is not, not only are they blocking that, but I make sure we understand that, that that's the aid, by the way, that is being used to feed your hostages. So by doing this, you're starving them too. But I don't think they care by that, as it likely by design. You just can't miss that point. Like, how if you're going to pretend this is going to go on for months and you're not allowing food in, like, that is a very clear equation. <laughs> They're going to starve, some of them at the very least, and those are your people, and you're going to blame Hamas for it. So you're, you're a terrorist. I mean, it's very clear to me. But here's more proof of this. Here is uh, Samantha Power, who, by the way, nobody should be saying is a good person in all this. She was literally just caught, or caught, but publicly st- kind of asked about how do you support this if we're, you know, uh, you know, it seemed like a, you know, <laughs> unawares U.S. aid employee who doesn't realize what they're doing is, you know, ruining countries and regime changing people who stood up and said like, but what about our doing the good work we do and that supporting Gaza will undermine that. <laughs> Those in the know would go like, oh, you poor soul, you don't understand what's going on. But nonetheless, her response was just ridiculous. It just stepped right over the question and was like, well, you know, we have to do like it was an equivocation. It didn't mean anything. But I still think that she gets the message like you, your support is your, people see right through you. So a lot of them are beginning to, you know, pretend to push back. So Rami points out, well, first I'll just read this. So she says more than 500 trucks should be, again, that was, this is what's embarrassing. So 500 was not getting it done before October 6th. They were already being starved. And so now she goes, that's how much should be coming through. Well, that's a, if let's just say they go back to 500, well, they're still not even meeting the needs of before, but let's pretend like that's enough. See the game that gets played, but it says in the past week, now it's down to 85 a day. That's 10 less than it was. And we're not 500. Wasn't doing, getting it done in the first place. Everything behind her, she says is the world food program warehouse, which by the way, they just had to shut down because they, they're not being protected and Israel shooting them like everybody else. They should be in Gaza to address what they call catastrophic world hunger. But it says aid workers are confronting extreme danger every day from, as she tells you right here, IDF military operations. They say, then she goes on to say organized criminals. That's settlers, by the way. And even desperate civilians increasingly overrunning trucks. And the point is these desperate civilians are starving to death. Kind of hard to blame them for trying to desperately feed themselves when they're about to die. But the organized criminals, those are the settlers that are blocking this stuff on the way in. That's what she's talking about. So there's no way about this around it. It's, Israel, according to literally everybody. He follows up and says, we know. (laughs) The question is, what action is your government prepared to do about it? We've been screaming about this from day one. To compel Israel to allow this humanitarian aid into Gaza? The answer so far is absolutely nothing. Other than continuing to arm them, right? But here's what this person says. And this is the point that keeps saying about the deflecting. So in response to her statement, saying just a kind of static statement, More than 500 should be only 85. That's pretty simple, right? And saying what they're calling catastrophic hunger, which literally is obvious. Everybody can see that. Here's what Benjamin says, who is basically, as you can see on his account, uh, his name is literally Ben Tel Aviv. It says, say something about the needs of the hostages. Say anything. Say something about the responsibilities of Arab states. Say anything. Say something denouncing Hamas. Say anything. Is it so difficult? Is that really hard? God, it just makes my skin crawl. 
And as Austin Powers rightly says, oh, for F's sake, nobody's denying the suffering and trauma caused by Hamas. What the world is now seeing is the barbarism of Netanyahu and the IDF. The real sickening part is that my government and tax dollars are complicit. Ask Aaron Bar- Bar- Barshnell how he saw things. My point is kind of the first part, but you're right. Why is it so upsetting for you, what I would argue are the Zionist Israelis, for someone to highlight the problem that's taking place? No one said only unique to Gaza people, but you know you're doing this. You know that you can't have that only highlighted. So instead of going, yes, but this is happening too, you just go, what only October 7th matters? Say something about them. Guess what? She has, Benjamin. They've all been screaming about October 7th nonstop. But the one time she goes, not even saying that Israel's responsible, really, but burying that part, but just acknowledging that they're struggling. And your outrage is that how dare you not also talk? It's it's just it's I guess what about is in a way to care to to not like what is that? At the, here's the crazy part. That is about the hostages. I just made that point. She's saying the trucks are not coming through. Who do you think's feeding them, Benjamin? So you see my point. This is just this desperate effort to kind of keep. They, they, this is propaganda. I actually believe that this is a this is effort to try to keep you from acknowledging. What they, I mean, they've lost already, guys. This is an overwhelmingly obvious narrative. And last point, here's Cuds showing you. Same point from before. Al Jazeera released ex- exclusive aerial footage revealing thousands of air co- aid convoys awaiting permission to enter Gaza while Israel intentionally delays their entry while lying about it and children are starving to death. Ev- literally, I mean actually starving right now. This deliberate action is causing severe famine, posing a threat to thousands of Palestinians suffering from hunger and children facing malnutrition-related deaths. Which, that's a buzzed-out picture right there. I mean, actually, not hyperbole. Right as we're speaking, there's a child starving to death in Gaza, and they're laughing and having raves and, you know, destroying food on TikTok videos because they all care about humanity, right? Well, here's October 7th, factcheck.com, pointing out this uh, Kogat online, the one that pretended to bring food to that hospital, but then it turned out they lied about that. It, it's just a propaganda platform. It's not. It, it's not as much as it's a, like an official group. It's not. It's a wildly Zionist pro-Israel platform, and they're caught. This breaks it down. Stated, they've stated publicly, Israel's not blocking the aid because that's the narrative, right? But this is false. It's been publicly proven false, and they break this down in this thread. But it's easy to prove. The statement is based, and this is how dumb this is, right? You can prove it with the actual evidence I'm showing you. But you can also prove it by actually listening to what Netanyahu says and comparing that to what the propagandists on Twitter are saying. For example, the statement is contradicted by Netanyahu himself, who said on January 18th that Israel was, quote, only allowing the absolute minimum necessary to prevent a humanitarian crisis. Which is, by the way, the the reason they pretended there's not a humanitarian crisis but how can you only allow the absolute minimum and then act like you're allowing all the aid to flow in unfettered? Well, that's what Elon Levy is saying. Oh my God, I'm shocked. He's completely lying. Oh my gosh. Well, they say, but Israel's not even allowing in the minimum 100 trucks required by Geneva, by the UN. The UN data shows only 79 trucks per day on average have entered. The average has now fallen to 56 in the last two weeks. Down from 95, down from 500 before October 7th that was then already beginning to start people. It's not hard to really piece this together. I'll leave it there. You can read the rest for yourself. It's just sad, guys, you know? And it's like, going back to Bushnell, it's not hard to see why he would do this. 
And again, I'm not saying that I justify want that or that I would do that. Or I mean, I think that's a step too far, quite frankly, because we could have used him, right? The world needs people like him that are able to express that they can see the reality that they people that have compassion for people that are being hurt. We need people like that. I could have told him that. But nonetheless, as I said, the the courage it would have taken to walk that all the way through and then to to maintain your resolution, your resolve while dying. I, again, it's just, I can't even comprehend the kind of courage that would take. And I'm, I'm just hoping that these kind of things will indeed shake people free from their two-party stupor and just recognize that we're just talking about human life here. It's not about politics. It's about people dying and people doing the killing and trying to rationalize why the killing is something they just have to do. Just find the courage to speak up. They need your help. These people are screaming for your attention. Aaron Bushnell is trying to get your attention. So thank you for continuing to support independent media. People that are finding the courage to stand up in a time when it's being attacked more than ever. Thank you for being here, guys. I mean, it's just, it means a lot to people out there that truly need your help. So I'm going to leave you with a clip of Chris Hedges. Now, I, I believe this is from the same speech I played a part of before, but it's just this part in the end that it's 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 sad. It's it, it'll, it'll raise some emotion in you for sure, or it should. And the, the point is simply that, you know, again, it's exactly what I was just saying in regard to why we're seeing reactions like we got from Aaron. Because we all feel helpless right now. And it, it's like, I guess we were all brought up to think that we had more influence over the world in front of us. And quite frankly, it's a good thing that we're being confronted with the reality not of what's happening, but of the fact that we actually don't have the kind of influence over the outcome that we think we do or that we were told we do. And the hardest part of it is to think that, you know, to think we had that in whatever way. And then to stand up while this is beginning and just to see it go forward, as I was saying in the beginning, day after day, thousands of people dying one by one. And we're watching it. And there's some slow motion car racks, car accident. And this last clip is about kind of expressing that sadness that, you know, we, we failed you. We had, we had, we, we have, we had, and we have the ability as the peoples of these countries to actually stop this. And we failed them. It's not, it's not over. We, there's still people that need to be saved, but recognizing that we could have done more is something, to, it's, it's something that needs to be acknowledged. And I, and I don't mean that in the sense of like violent action. I mean that in the sense that there are people out there and maybe some of you are listening who had an opportunity to say more, to do more, to, 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 to speak out in a time that might have made a difference, maybe to talk about this on your gigantic show, but you chose not to, or you were too afraid to, or you thought you might be called a racist. It's just the time is quickly, it, 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 there was never a time for that. The time is over. Find that courage and side with the people that need it so we don't have another moment like this where we have to apologize to the people that we let down that are no longer with us. So thank you for tuning in, guys. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. We have failed you. This is the awful guilt we carry. We tried, but we did not try hard enough. It will go to Rafa, many of us, reporters, we will stand outside the border with Gaza in protest. We will write and film. This is what we do. It is not much, but it is something 
It will tell your story again. Maybe it will be enough to earn the right to ask for your forgiveness. Thank you.